Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. Are you infected by Kanye beats? Is that what's happening over there? Yeah, it's 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 a super 1991 beat, though. I mean, that's fine. It's it not. That's, that's why it speaks to me. It feels so good, it should cost. Y'all, you guys are all up and running. I mean, all right. it, those are just great lines. It feels so good, it should cost. I don't, I'm into it. I, you know. I mean, those are Mark Sanford-worthy lines. <laughs> all right, all right, let's go. Let's go. Start, start, start. <laughs> we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Greetings, and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. This is your almost weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle, the people that make it, and occasionally ourselves. I am Camille Foster. I do all kinds of incredible things at Freethink. I'm delighted to be able to join you today for this podcast. Um, I'm also delighted to be joined by some exemplary gentlemen of great nobility and courage and honesty and integrity and sincerity. And if I go on, then you'll notice that I'm being somewhat sarcastic, but I, I do have some genuine Why? affection for these Why? men. Matt Welch, editor-at-large of Reason Magazine. He's, he's in the building, as per usual. Michael Moynihan, he does all kinds of stuff, advice on this show for Vice News on HBO and also Vice on HBO, but he ain't here yet. He may be coming. Sometimes he shows when I say that. Sometimes he doesn't. He should have been here like 30 minutes ago, so we'll see what happens. And of course... Anthony Fisher, who's in the room. He's actually sitting here now. Fisher, what is your, your new position at The Week? I'm senior editor at The Week. Senior editor yes. at The Week. This sounds very important. I presume that it is. And I'm pleased to be with both of you gentlemen. And it's I'm, a little bit I'm hopeful yeah, that the voice Mr. of Yahweh on time. In, the, in the room. Yeah, it is. It is a little disconcerting. Yeah. I, I want you, you want to be on your best behavior. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a vengeful Old Testament. God. <laughs> That's the best kind. Yeah. He well, has the longest beard. Yeah. The vengeful Old Testament God. Yeah. Huh. What do you think? I don't know. I, uh, the Old Testament God is great because it's not about love at all. It's just about judgment. That is that is not true. There's a bit of love in that judgment. Where it's, it's tough love is what you call that. That's what that is. When you are striking down, it's jealousy and it's vengeance and it's yeah. It's, it's also the manipulation of Job. Yeah, sure. like yeah. There's a lot of manipulation that takes place. I mean, Abraham yeah. do a bit of manipulating. Are we really going to do Old Testament Bible scholars? Hey, why not? Like, is that that's yeah. what we'll do this hour? Until uh, one hand gets. We'll get yeah. into our Seventh Day Adventist. Uh, <laughs> I'll but rehash like, okay, some Catholic these, shame. Please don't make me Seventh Day Adventism. Oh no! <laughs> all <laughs> since it's all about like the triple revelation. Is is the there triple revelation? Whatever. You, I've I mean, never I heard know, it called that before. Well, I'm no, calling. I don't it know that. even know what you're talking about. Go ahead. But I mean, that's like New Testament on steroids. Uh, but do they have a big Old Testament? kind of feeling to it yeah they love the old testament do they old testament is remarkable we do all the, the levitical dietary law stuff we keep to that okay also adhere to the seventh day sabbath the same way that the right. jews do right. so there is a, a deep respect for the law in that respect so what do y'all think about protestants in general i mean the, the like catholics and, and the, the yeah. sunday worshipers yeah, as we call sunday them worship. that's the shorthand so it's not that you go to church Sounds on sunday and they go to church on saturday it's that you're actually a sunday worshiper and they are Sabbath keepers. That is the shorthand. A bit pejorative. A little bit. Okay. Deliberately so. All right. Deliberately provocative. Yeah. 
And I mean, all of you people, when the blue laws are put into effect and they mandate that you have to go to church on Sunday as opposed to Saturday and the Adventists flee for the woods. This is when during the time of trouble. This is when Rome and Washington yes. collaborate. I'm shocked that you know something about how do you know this? Because this is the you, papal state. You told Rome. me like after is that two, true? Two G and T's. Really? <laughs> yeah. Seriously? No, back when we were doing the independence. I'm shocked I, that I you was, remember that. I was though. look, I, I don't remember all the stuff that I said <laughs> that made you mad at me <laughs> about how like you're basically Candace Owens. You did I, say that. I, I don't remember that. The people who are listening to this podcast. It's untrue. It was based on a one minute and twenty three second clip. And here is where we'll play that clip. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's that's when Camille wields his like <laughs> editing uh, privileges. Scalpel. Uh, Unbelievable. But no, I remember you because it was back. Uh, we were at, at the independence when uh, when Ben Carson was rising. And yes. We started yes, talking yes. about the 2016 election. Yeah. Ben Carson, who's a. And I was a little surprised that there were very world. few people that were talking about Ben Carson's Adventism in the context of his potential presidency, because it seemed like a legitimate issue. I mean, the fact that you believe that Roman Catholics are members members of a church, a church that is, in fact, the the embodiment of the Antichrist, the, the, the Pope himself, who is supposed to play some prominent role in prophecy, seems kind of significant. Um, and I think it, it goes a bit further than the standard sort of Protestant Catholic beef um, that exists where they say, we have the truth. No, 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 we do. It's uh-uh. not only do you not have the truth, you guys are actually the bad guys in the story. Your story isn't just wrong. You're evil. So what, what, where are you guys, or, I mean, I know you're not part of that anymore, but where are your family I'm with, renegade. with, uh, Fisher's other half of the family? Like we know that, that Fisher's side mm-hmm. of the family is part of the, the devil prophecy uh-huh. end times. Uh-huh. What do you think about the Jews? Wait, Fisher, your family's Catholic? Yeah. I didn't know I was know raised that. Catholic. Huh. Yeah. Looking at you in a whole new light. <laughs> Um, I don't. Jesus I don't. Christ. <laughs> I, I kid. Um, I don't think there's strong a strong perspective there. I okay. mean, in terms of the the Jews being wrong in some way, it's just that they don't have the the revelation of Jesus because they don't believe in the the Son, and you have to believe in the Son if you want to get to heaven. This is essential. R- really, seriously, I don't really. I don't know that it's a good idea for us to do. <laughs> like, I bet you they love it. I bet you you all love it out there. I have uh, I have some throat clearing to do. Oh, do you at the top? Okay, and okay. it doesn't have anything to do with the doctrine of the Seventh Day Adventist Church. It has to do with the intellectual dark web. Oh uh, boy, IDW. Oh boy. No, no, it's nice. Um, okay. uh, <laughs> Brett Wine, help me out. Weinstein. Stein. Weinstein. Stein. Give me a, a, a nemetic or whatever the hell to remember. I mean, do you need a Brett story? Weinstein is fine. Harvey Weinstein is mean. Ooh, good. that is really good. Off the top of the dome. There. That's yeah, everything that. that I was thinking about Harvey Weinstein was really disgusting. <laughs> so I, I wasn't no. going to say any of that. Uh, he contacted like me that. a couple of weeks ago uh, in re, in regards of things that I had said before drunkenly in jest, uh, mm-hmm. probably uh, here. I had said that his brother, who coined the term intellectual dark web and who has a new video out that uh, people can watch where he sort of uh, – Fisher, you saw this, right? Where yeah. He talks about kind of his, his thinking behind – um, uh, coining that term. This is not the video where Dave Rubin explains that Candace Owens is more influential than Kanye West on the basis of some fraudulent polling. No, it's okay. not. It's, it's not. Th- no. It's not that video. That video I, is. I don't know why you had to go to an aggressive point because I was starting with. Uh, Sorry. Yes, Eric, to, 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 just to, to capitalize on that, though, Eric does spend <laughs> twenty minutes. Uh, no, no, Eric. I'm, this is a nice well, thing. I'm, I'm, I'm being nice. Rat beef. I'm being nice. God, this is not. Rat- sake. <laughs> Eric, not Eric uh, you know, uh, is a is a mathematician, and he explains. Um, how he used math, among other things, philosophy, to coin the term intellectual dark web. And it is, it's, it's interesting enough to watch him break it down. Huh. 
Yes. Is he uh, joking? He's not joking. I think he's joking a little bit. No, I mean, he's, I had apparently said that because they have this website that has kind of dramatic pictures of all these characters that are in it. And I had said something to the effect of like, yeah, it's one of them yeah. who started this website. And uh, and Brett, who to reiterate, if, if uh, listeners haven't listened to him mm-hmm. and uh, and his wife, Heather should uh, have listened. It's a really great conversation. Great, great conversation. And uh, a revered treasured uh, guest said, no, really, we don't know who it is. And we, I, we tried to find out. I told you that. Um, did you? I, I did. Listening. I, I don't, time. When you talk, I don't really listen to you. I understand. So I, I know. I'm That's just, why you're wrong. I'm dazzled things. by how good your glasses look. So it's really. <laughs> um, and he also pointed out that uh, that Eric, as I said, something like we were talking in the in the conversation about um, the sense that that maybe there's a commonality or there's not a commonality that they've all uh, suffered some kind of, you know, either resistance or had been uh, uh uh, negatively impacted by uh, people uh, looking at yeah, people. Yeah, I, I, I know for a fact that was late in the show and we'd been drinking and I mouthed off a bit too. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take it all. But he says that Eric has received some of it. And that's it. Um, just wanted to uh, thank you, Brett, for uh, uh, sending that along. And I'm happy to uh, clear the air. Oh, that's nice. Camille is, you know, exacting on that we try to get stuff right here. I like that. At I, least, I, like, at I, like, I like the and, truth. And I do. And, uh, and Moynihan, too. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. Go on. We traffic in facts here. Facts only. Yes. As they say. Not fake polls. Word. Yeah. Not fake polls. <laughs> not fake news. Yes. Um, speaking of fake news, CNN. I kid. I joke. It was a joke about CNN being fake news because that's what Donald Trump says all the time. It's a joke. Um, but no, there's actually there's plenty of real news. We had the G7 uh, meeting, which was broken up rather abruptly. The president was planning to leave early. But as he left, there was a, a bit of feuding that began. We maybe we talk about that. Um, but he was leaving to go to the North Korean meeting, not in North Korea, but in Singapore, which is perhaps a little confusing for some people, although most Americans probably can't find either place on a map. I certainly can. That being said, Rachel Maddow is there to help you by <laughs> a geography lesson. North Korea borders South Korea. North Korea borders China. What is the third country with which North Korea has a border? North Korea has a tiny little sniglet of a border with a third country there. Uh, There's only one crossing over that border. It's a bridge. It is a bridge you cannot walk across, nor can you drive across it. You can only take a train across it. It's the one crossing on that border between North Korea and that third country. If you take that train, which doesn't come very often, if you take that train across that bridge from North Korea and they let you cross that border, where you end up in is Russia. That's the third country that borders North Korea. Uh, I think she used the word sniglet of a border with Russia. Yeah, that is incredibly racist. (laughs) I'm deeply offended. And I would love to spend most of the next several hours talking about this word sniglet yeah sniglet have you ever i mean honestly have you ever heard someone use more offensive language on cable news before i certainly haven't well we i certainly have i mean on the independence side i mean yes i mean (laughs) there were were a few panels i'm glad are down the memory hole but um maybe we won't talk about that yeah uh uh, but yeah i mean Um, just real quick on the on the i won't use the word but uh on the border (laughs) uh, on the sniglet uh, yeah yeah. uh on the border strictly for my sniglets (laughs) only only camille will use that word on the show uh but on the you know the the issue that rachel maddow is uh, ahaing the small portion of a border that is shared by north 
North Korea and Russia. Oh, there's a perfect it, word for that. It reminds me. Sniggle it. It reminds me of Sarah Palin boasting of foreign policy experience because mm. of Alaska's proximity to Russia. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. It's a silly. A little bit. It's a little silly. Uh, but, but she didn't have a collusion narrative to, to nod at. Not yet. Um, but in addition to that, we also have some uh, recent elections, some news related to that that we can talk about. Um, and I, I did want to talk about some of the developments with uh, the, the immigration immigration situation, which seems to be getting back into the news, which we hadn't talked about earlier, but maybe we can, you'll indulge me and we can go there for a little bit because some of those things uh, seem quite important and have gotten uh, a fair amount of play. Maybe we start with this G7 business, Matt, because we were talking a little bit before we started to record and you mentioned that there are, in fact, some significant issues here. We do have these U.S. steel tariffs, which when the president went and enacted these, the president said he was doing this on the basis of national security. Because if we don't have our own steel, we don't have a country. And somebody said it before, and I will tell you, you almost don't have much of a country. Because without steel and aluminum, your country's not the same. And we need it. We need it even for defense, if you think. I mean, we need it for defense. We need great steel makers, great aluminum makers for defense. So we have these new steel tariffs. There were, in fact, all of these delays in terms of implementing the tariffs for various friends of ours, like G7 nations. And uh, it seems that we were not, in fact, able to make deals with those people. And as a consequence, there have either been tariffs enacted, reciprocal tariffs, or threatened. I highlighted directly to the president uh, that um, Canadians... Um, did not take it lightly uh, that the United States has moved forward with significant tariffs on our steel and aluminum industry, particularly did not take lightly the fact that it's based on a national security uh, reason that, that it's kind of insulting. And I highlighted that it was not helping in our uh, renegotiation of NAFTA, and that it would be with regret, but it would be with absolute certainty and firmness that we move forward with retaliatory measures on July 1st, applying equivalent tariffs to the ones that the Americans have uh, unjustly applied to us. Canadians were polite, were reasonable, but we also will not be pushed around. Uh, what, do, what do you make of all of this and the actual ramifications of the the explosion of upset related to the president deciding not to sign a, a rather run-of-the-mill declaration from G7. Yeah, elections. I mean, the G7 started as a informal, like no one knew about it kind of talk shop in 1976. So the Bilderbergers. It, it was the finance minister, so yes, uh, Bilder, <laughs> Bilderbergers and uh, heads of state when possible of the big uh, economies in the West. Um, so England and Germany and Italy and, and whatnot. And, and they it would be th those who could speak English with one another um, and just kind of have an informal talk about things that are involved in the international economy, kind of as a backdrop to the Cold War. Um, so just so we can coordinate stuff. It wasn't a it wasn't a body. It's not a thing. Mm. Um, it's it's just, hey, it's a little tradition that started then. And it's kind of grown and metastasized like all these things do. And so the but even to this day, the you know, at the end, the G, what the G7 does is sit around and talk. Now mm. they have more people and they come up with a bullshit uh, uh, communique at the end. Mm -hmm. And that's what uh, Trump pulled out of, which doesn't matter. Uh, at all, except for just what it you know it says for the relationship building between people, or the relationship unbuilding uh, between people, because he noisily, after uh, agreeing to sign on to whatever 
stuff that they were saying about how we should all like each other. Um, mm -hmm. uh, unagreed, he said, because he couldn't believe that, you know, Justin. Justin Trudeau. Yeah. Just Justin. Uh, <laughs> First, uh, just one name. Uh, Cher. Had stabbed him in the back as both Larry Kudlow, uh, God rest his soul, and uh, Peter Navarro. Not in uh, fact dead. Not in fact dead. No, no I'm talking about it, just selling his soul. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, he's, you know, convalescing at Walter Reed Hospital. Uh, sorry, Larry. But uh, uh, they both went out and other people did too in the administration and say mm -hmm. it was a big stab in the back because Justin Trudeau said, you know what, we're not going to be pushed around and we're going to engage in reciprocal tariffs, which is not – uh, unreasonable position. It's bad. It's sad because tariffs are bad, uh, both for uh, us to uh, tariffs. You know, as Larry Kudlow said back before he got into government, um, and as Milton Friedman and other people have pointed out over the years, tariffs are the about the only thing that your enemies do to you during wartime mm -hmm. that you do to yourself during peacetime. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like you're just shooting yourself in the face right. and then bragging about it. Of They're course, the really, really stupid. You're making you're making your own citizens pay more money for stuff. And yes, there's broad agreement around the table, a lot of, a lot of head shakes. So, of course, the rationale from their standpoint is that you can protect American jobs by not importing quite so much stuff and by making more here and you make things more expensive that come in from overseas and that creates jobs here at home. The, uh, everyone the, wins. The apparently. best moment of the G7 or the most promising one that I would love it if Trump believed it, and I don't have any reason to believe that he does, uh -huh. um, given his uh, long track record on trade, which he feels more strongly about than most issues, mm -hmm. um, is that at some point during the meeting, he walked around and said, hey, why don't we all just do a G7 completely free trade, no tariffs and no subsidies agreement between all of us. Did he say that? He did. Huh. That's a great idea. That's a very good idea. Let's let let's a strong proposal. If if we got to that, right? The yeah. people who have glommed on to both uh, Trump from a, a standpoint like the, the, let's say the free traders, there are a group of free traders, and I've talked about it before in the program, who glommed onto Trump as a vehicle for their desires to break apart these trade agreements, which they don't like. Sure. They, they say they're an in, encroachment on sovereignty and they have a point and they're anti-democratic and they also have a point about that. Mm -hmm. uh, although I know that Camille doesn't like democracy. Um, <laughs> but uh, you see this also with Brexit, the Daniel Hannans of the world uh -huh. who like, you know, once we leave, once Brexit is, you know, we're free, then we can have totally free trade. Even though the vehicles to get there, the people, your your political champions to get there, they actually really legitimately hate free trade and have stupid ideas that trade deficits are evil, important and yeah. wrong yeah. and need to be addressed. And so uh, he said that and that's good and I wish they would act on it. But he also said he went around the table to all of the, the different people, uh, foreign leaders there and like busted their chops on individual trade deficit numbers, bilateral trade deficit numbers between the countries. And more promisingly, in theory, like, oh, you've got a huge tariff on uh, our dairy. Um, he, of course, mentioned this without mentioning the fact that we basically don't allow foreigners to sell us dairy products. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's a little little bit of an inconsistency there. Yeah. The, the bad part about all of this is that without a doubt, I think, uh, the seven-decade-old project of reducing global tariffs in an atmosphere – of steadily increasing fits and starts, but mostly going in the right direction, trust right. is being really uh, quickly and severely disrupted, as we have all warned mm -hmm. about Trump and the rise of Trump. Uh, when you do this, when you go there and say, oh, you're stabbing me in the back using this kind of hard language, 
and enacting tariffs and encouraging, you know, uh, you're, you're not encouraging a set of behaviors from those people like, oh, you know what? I think that he's right. Like, imagine what's the domestic political response in Canada to Justin Trudeau? They saw Trump come to their country and act like a dick. Mm -hmm. um, so the pressure on them is going to be to do more of that. These are the core members of the Western Alliance, generally speaking, of what we consider to be the West, which is a, a psychographic entity in addition to having, you know, NATO components, this components. But that's an, that I believe is an important entity that's been overall a force uh, for good. And the thing that's just about the best about that entity um, is now being directly uh, threatened and impacted by Trump in a way that it, I'm afraid is going to increase tariffs and decrease prosperity uh, worldwide. And that's, that's, I think, a huge problem. I yeah. also don't know. How, I mean, it's, you know, it's a big issue for Trump that uh, NATO countries, particularly NATO countries in old Europe, aren't pulling their weight in, in incurring the costs of uh, defense. I don't know how they're supposed to go back to their countries and say, you know what, everybody, we need to pony up a little more. I mean, the way they do it is, and, and I think Emmanuel Macron might, might end up doing this and some other people uh, as, hey, look, we're just going to have to, to, America is no longer there in that way. America is no longer the backstop. So let's take care of our own, either on trade deals or on defense. And that would be an actually good thing. You know, mm -hmm. um, there's been a lot of hand wringing over Trump and, and I share most of it. Um, but some of it has been like, my God, he's asking Germany to pay more than, you know, one percent of its GDP towards its mutual defense. And he's even talking about maybe, you know, closing down the military hospital in Wiesbaden. He's not. But I'm just using that as an example. Theoretically, it's like, oh. I'm, that's not the worst thing in the world. Like, it's not a bad idea for Europeans to feel like they should have more of a direct stake in their well, lives. I agree, but would it, be, would, it, would it be better to just not have NATO? Would it be better if Europe did have their own alliance and we just, you know, we'll come when we're called? Um, I don't want to go full like Thad Russell. Up there. <laughs> <laughs> we're crying out. I loud. just feel like, you know, a year and a half into the Trump administration where, you know, he's, he's talked about, he's floated that idea around. Uh, and now we're getting I a think, little closer to that as a reality. I think, mm -hmm. I think... That uh, I'm I'm less excited uh, to pursue that, particularly in light of him saying, as he did uh, just before the G7 summit, that yeah, you know, we should why, why don't we have Russia in there? In fact, he said today we're mm -hmm. recording this on Wednesday, Wednesday. yeah, uh, so it'll be released uh, next Wednesday, mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, two Wednesdays uh, from now. <laughs> um, but he said he said lame, tonight, lame like, joke. Like they're expecting it. Like uh -huh. you, you got to yeah. have like lame uh, joke service. I this know. is important. And we're getting better at this. Uh, uh, that. Uh, um, his reason for wanting to have Russian in uh, <laughs> in the G seven now or the G eight as they used to be, which I think is a mistake. Don't need to get in there, but uh, is that so he could say to uh, Putin, who he'd be sitting next to him, like, "Hey, you know, why don't you get out of Russia, or why don't you get out of uh, Ukraine, why don't you get out of Syria?" Um, you know, I would just say to him, "Just come on." <laughs> it's not a. Not a not a, a a very good reason. Uh, the way in which his just like let's just pull all the scabs off and shake up the snow globe and do all the metaphors um, is potentially interesting, and this could be a potential uh, uh, pivot point. Is he is genuinely willing in ways that Americans are not. Uh -huh. uh, I mean, Americans who have been in charge of foreign policy, policy establishment, yeah. policy establishment is not sure. to openly contemplate things like why the hell do we have so many tens of thousands of troops on in North Korea? Uh -huh. South um, Korea. Whatever. 
Uh, it's all the same. It's in the middle, <laughs> the, the Koreas. On the Korean Peninsula. Uh, yes. Um, and and have that be part of his negotiating uh, uh, track there. I think therein lies the eventual, if there is to be an eventual peace settlement on the peninsula, that is going to be part of it. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't been on the table mentally uh, for Americans ever. We've we've had the John McCain idea of, of you know, remember in the 2008 campaign, he was asked by Anna Marie Cal- Cox about like how how long are you gonna have troops in Iraq? He's like I don't know, fifty, hundred years, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, and, he, and like he was genuinely, he didn't understand why that created a political problem for him. No. It's like what are you even talking about? Yeah, like we do the same thing. It's World War Two in Japan and in Germany and, and Germany yeah. and Korea and um, uh, I can understand where he's coming from, but like I can also a little different understand that that's wrong. Like yeah. we shouldn't have the autopilot of American troops everywhere. Yeah. And so it, that could be, and, and it's all provisional, it's all preliminary and in the future, but that could be yeah. eventually very useful, much more, I think, there than in, uh, let's just rethink the entire NATO alliance um, with Donald Trump as the lead rethinker. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm a bit more uh, open to what the chaos might yield and potential benefits that the chaos might yield. Um, we'll see. But I do think it's worth taking the pivot that you've given us, Matt, and diving into this North Korea situation. The leader of North Korea and the leader of the United States of America, this is something that the North Koreans have wanted for a very long time and have been open to, and that prior administrations have been completely unwilling to do for a lot of reasons that seem pretty legitimate. The North Korean government has prison camps, extensive prison camps. They are a systematic, all-star human rights violator. In addition to that, they have been trying to build nuclear weapons, frequently testing them. Although, for the last seven months or so, they have not been doing that. Suddenly, we find ourselves in a situation where the president first agrees to have these meetings and agrees to have them under the condition that North Korea will, in fact, disarm. And then steadily moves the goalpost back to the Mm -hmm. point where this meeting is just kind of getting to know you. The end result of this is a statement, a very brief statement. It might have been like 400 words, pretty much stipulating that the North Koreans agree to do what they said they would do before, disarm eventually. But it does seem to include some new things happening, namely, and perhaps most dramatically, the president of the United States saying that we will no longer engage in these provocative war games. That wasn't in the statement. That was, wasn't in that, the statement. That, that this was, was in the, that was, that in was the afterwards. presser afterwards. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Um, which apparently stunned both the U.S. military and the South Korean which, government. Which is shocking. Yeah. What's interesting here is that the response from a lot of official Washington and certainly in the mainstream press seems to be largely negative. The phrase that I saw on the the evening that a lot of this was flying around was that this was a huge propaganda victory, um, that the Trump administration had given away everything by going to this meeting and potentially lending an air of credibility and respectability to North Korea. I'm not sure that I concur with much of that. I'm not sure that that most of the kind of pageantry that ends up happening in most of these events where heads of states get together, um, be it a, a person from a government that we generally regard as good in the first world, a G7 ally, let's say, like Germany, or when the president goes to hang out with the Saudis, who routinely do things like execute people for, I don't know, being gay. When you have a meeting with the government of North Korea, and the reason that you do that isn't so that you can invest them with dignity. You do it because you want to avoid nuclear warfare that a couple of months ago, a lot of people believed might have happened. There are several questions about this. One, 
is this a propaganda victory for the North Koreans? Two, is the president actually moving the, the ball forward here? Or are we just getting back to even because he stirred the pot so much with his fire and fury rhetoric? And three, was denuclearization ever a practical goal? Is it possible that the best thing that we can hope for here is having an open dialogue with the North Koreans? Is, is there really the potential for more meaningful unintended consequences from this, from, say, walking back what were effectively defensive military exercises, which I, I don't see why a, defense, a, a defensive military exercise can't be provocative. It can be. But is there really a, a massive potential drawback to saying you're not going to do this anymore? Well, it was more than just, I agree with you. If you meet with a head of state, you have to have the flags, you have to have the handshakes. I don't know that you necessarily have to say that the guy's got a great personality, that it's an honor to meet him, mm. that his toughness uh, is is a virtue when his toughness includes hundreds of thousands of people in prison camps yeah. and, you know, mass murder. Um, you know, but he, he not only said that those things, he said, hey, he was a young guy and, you know, it's rough in a lot of places, but he handled it. He's a leader. You know, that these are a lot more than just diplomatic relations. Yeah, it's not the, it's not the yeah. sort of definites that you would expect yeah. from a, a seasoned politician who has these particular well, lines it was, that have been well-constructed for this he, purpose. He, so you can he, seem obsequious without actually sounding like no, it. Well, flattery is currency <laughs> to Trump, but you both, both receiving it and giving yes. it, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. So he only it, knows how to respond in client. Yeah, it's it, like it, a, it, it's, 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 it was, in, it was a win for both of their images in the sense that Trump did what no, no sitting American president has ever sat with a North Korean leader. And he gets to play peacemaker after turning up the heat for a while. And somebody, I think, uh, Byron York wrote, uh, in the Washington Examiner that, Hey, war, war with North Korea was unthinkable. Then Trump started thinking about war. And now we got here. We got to, you know, handshakes and and certainly dialing down the heat a bit. Denuclearization, is it a, is it a, is it a the the practical end game? In my opinion, yeah. I mean, if you, if if you, if you you would trade the survival of the Kim regime, you would say we will not decapitate you. We will not, you know, uh, support an uprising. But you can't have nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, today, I mean, Trump, President Trump is saying all sorts of things like mm. the, the North Koreans are no longer a nuclear yeah. threat. I mean, and, and, and he, he's, he's got this well in hand. Trump Trump was a critic of the Iran deal, which was very, very flawed. Mm -hmm. And for all the reasons that he was a critic of that Iran deal, he doesn't seem to be demanding those things of North Korea right now, at least. Right. You can judge individual cases on their individual merits. And we're trying to sort out North Korea. But if you attempt to look for a through line mm -hmm. between the Iran nuclear deal uh, North Korea and Cuba, which we've forgotten about, but let's not let's keep in mind that uh, Barack Obama went to Cuba late in his presidency, mm -hmm. restored something like diplomatic relationships. We opened up an embassy. We did a bunch of stuff. He went to a baseball game with Raul Castro. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we didn't get we got some prisoner exchange, not as much as we could have. He didn't talk as much as you would have liked about human rights in the, in a way. Uh, he, I, he didn't over flatter in the way that Trump did. Um, but I mean, there are things to criticize about it. But at the same time, the end result of that was good. Like we stopped uh, uh, some elements of the embargo and loosened things up. Trump reversed 
a lot of that, that he could have. Um, so what's the through line between – there really isn't any. There isn't mm-hmm. – that I can see and maybe it's the my own limitations of things. I, I don't understand what's the – the principle one of the, I mean if you're criticizing the Iran deal there's plenty to criticize about it plenty mm-hmm. um I I think my uh, position is similar to a lot of Republicans um who uh opposed it at the time and then opposed pulling out of it afterwards I didn't oppose it at the time uh-huh. but I understand what I understand their their mental process which is to say this is a flawed deal um however it gave us something that we're Giving up, which is uh, an ability to look inside what the regime is doing, and and this is a painstaking international negotiation with a lot of other countries as signatories. But the criti- the criticism from Trump, especially, but also generally speaking, the Republican criticism of the Iran deal was that Obama, and this is I think a very real criticism, Obama wanted this to happen too much. Mm-hmm. And when you're uh, negotiating from that point of view, you're not going to negotiate very well. Right. I. Don't see how this isn't also the case in North Korea. I, th- I think that like the Iran deal, like Cuba, um, um, we're in a much better place than we were nine months ago and possibly nine years ago, too. We have the, the people aren't pointing um, uh, uh, missiles at each other to the same degree. Like it's possible that Trump is shaking things up and and imagining things that were previously unimaginable just because he doesn't have the same kind of baggage of our own traditions of that. And that's all to the good. Yeah. Um, as a pure negotiation on its own negotiating, the art of the deal. Hmm. What do we get? What yeah. did he get out of this deal? What we got is that is that we've cooled down relations that he helped heat up. Right. But that also have been uh, sporadically hot and cold for the last 25 years. We're in a better place on some levels yeah, just yeah. in terms of inter- – and that's a huge thing. We should not discount that even for a second. Sure. And the stuff that's on a piece of paper is nothing different than we've well, had. It's actually there- it's actually the same stuff but with way less details and way less commitments than North Korea has given to past presidents. And I'm worried about the statements from Mike Pompeo today, mm-hmm. uh, Secretary of State. He was asked like, hey, before this, you said we had to have – what was it? Totally verifiable. And irreversible. Irreversible yeah, yeah. denuclearization. And there ain't nothing about that. And he's like, oh, that's a terrible question. And that's rude. And, uh, <laughs> I, you know, it's all there in the statement. And so this kind of defensiveness and this kind of oversell from Trump coming back like, oh, yeah, uh-huh. you know, nuclear threat. Gone. Done. Trump, Trump, right. um, he, she's angling for a Nobel Peace Prize, but he wants it too badly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm one of those people talk to I'm, I'm pro talking as opposed to going to war. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't see what South Korea and Japan deserved, <laughs> did to deserve yeah. this, you know, because yeah. they're, they're, well, they're, they're, they're hold on, though. But sure. But South Korea, overwhelming the South Korean public wants there to be peace with North Korea, wants there to be sure. There's but a, I don't know if they I don't know strong detente. Yeah, they, they absolutely do. And, and Amer- the American troops are not popular at all. There's in been, that country. Yes, there's long been a segment of the South Korean yeah. population that has been interested in trying to to reduce the footprint of the treaty or, or, or the, the alliance between the U.S. But the total removal of the American security umbrella is not something that I think is that, that they would. I don't know that they've, that if, they've if pledged you, to do if that. If you end the war okay. games and you pull the troops out, uh-huh. what what's left? Yeah. Well, the, I mean, but you, the, could, you could stay pull close the, by. The pull the troops out. And I don't out. know if they said, have they said that they would pull the troops out? Trump well, said Trump, Trump, his, Trump, No, not, that wasn't part of it, but he did say uh, that he would he, like to. He would like to. Um, he, that it's not on the table. He, so he said that the, the, right. the I, mean, I'm, I mean, I'm just trying to imagine the response if a Democratic president went over there and said, we're going to end the war games because they're too expensive. 
We're calling yeah. them war games. I mean, they're joint military exercises. Sure. War games is the language of North Korea. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And and the word, although he's and, right, and the word provo- war games. and the word provocative <laughs> is also in the language of North sure. Korea. Um, and you know they they you know they should feel threatened. That's kind of the idea from from those things, without a doubt. But it's also it's not just he's, he's saber rattling. Calling for provocations when he was suggesting that like military fleets should be headed yeah. to na- naval fleets should be headed towards the Korean peninsula. The, these these practices have been going on for over sixty years, uh-huh. and they're there to keep a state of readiness in the ca- in the case that North Korea ever starts shelling Seoul, which but, has but always been uh, on the table. Can one maintain a state of readiness without? conducting these exercises. I don't think you can. I mean like if, if you're not there and and you're and the the you know the South Korean military could pre- probably last about 10 minutes uh-huh. without you know US but backup. I mean, con- con- considering the reality they, they of the circumstance. But considering the reality Seriously. of the circumstance, right? I mean this is not a such they have a lot of hardware pointed at one another and to the extent that they start fighting there's a fairly high probability that this isn't just people moving across borders. The, the two capital cities could be leveled sure. in moments. Yeah. Um, having Seoul American very close troops, to the DMZ. Having American troops in that theater, to what degree are they actually mitigating the risk of something happening there? And is it a circumstance where it, it's one thing, I think, if you have some sort of missile defense batteries there, right, and, which we, we had. Um, it's another thing, however, to have, you know, some, some boats parked off the... Uh, Parked off the water you that, you can, that you could use or, or just simply have nuclear hardware that you could deploy quickly to decimate North Korea. The, the United States could level that country in many respects. But it's also true that there's very little, I think, that you could probably do in the event that things got very hot very quickly. So, you know, an act of good faith, let's let's call it that. Let's put the most generous face on this as opposed to what it actually probably is. Donald Trump impulsively saying something that they haven't really calculated um, or thought too much about in a press conference that surprises virtually everyone. Mm. Um, that's what I suspect is happening here. But putting the best face on it, an act of good faith that perhaps opens the door to some broader negotiations and perhaps better relations between these two countries and maybe gives you some hand with respect to human rights issues a little further down the line and perhaps creates a situation where the North Koreans are no longer randomly test firing nuclear devices this seems like it could potentially if it does be a if good it does bet. it was a good bet if it's yeah. not if it doesn't then you, you traded an ally's security as a bargaining chip but you can always bring that back you I mean you can always come sure. back and start doing i just testing. don't I, I just, again when, when you, i just don't know that that's a way to breed trust among your allies not just the south koreans but yeah. any ally well you certainly don't want to you certainly don't want to surprise them but for me from my own standpoint it seems like we've ratcheted down some of the tension for the short run um, and potentially, if we aren't doing these exercises anymore, if there is a lighter U.S. footprint there, potentially invested the circumstance with some goodwill, and maybe we'll find ourselves in a circumstance to see things improve. I, I think the reasons for dramatic hope um, are probably speaking of dramatic not hope. There. Can we talk just very briefly about that crazy uh, fake movie trailer that Trump played for Kim? Did you see this? Did he play it for him? He or? played it not in the one-on-one meeting, but in the meeting, the the, the working lunch with all the advisors. He's it's, like, hold on a second. Yeah, he, and he, he whipped it out on an iPad. 
Oh no! Right. And really? yes, and they were English and Korean versions of it. I believe okay. the English, the Korean version was played for Kim and company, and the English version was played for the reporters afterwards. Which one had Gangnam Style on it? Uh, neither. <laughs> uh, but it was <laughs> it's, it's fairly amazing. Um, you know, like it's 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 like a Jerry Bruckheimer blockbuster type uh, thing with you know very serious, breathy voiceover, and it uh, it culminates with you know an image of you know Trump. And Kim, two silhouettes walk into the distance. Will they bring peace in our time? Something like that. According to Trump, at least, what he told the reporters is that the North Koreans, they loved it. They were eating it up. Apparently, it was produced by the National Security Council I, with, uh, our, with your money. <laughs> <laughs> and, and real quick, though, there was, as a you know, sometime video editor myself, uh, stock footage. Don't make stock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, stock footage of uh, of uh, like a guy jamming a basketball because Kim's a basketball <laughs> fan. Yeah, and, and, you know, between the, between throw it all in between there. the clouds and the heavens and the missiles and the rockets, you have you just have a random basketball player Honestly, in, a, dude, in a plain yellow shirt. Just might work. <laughs> The reason we're here talking about all of this right now is because of Dennis crying on CNN Rodman. Yeah, and wearing a pot coin shirt in Singapore where they will cane your ass and put <laughs> oh you in prison God, for yeah. life. Wow. <laughs> Again, Dennis Rodman. Who but Dennis Rodman can do that, can break ground, can create the circumstances for world peace. Dennis Rodman 20 whenever the next election is he's not going to live that long but <laughs> that's live this long <laughs> yeah the worm the worm is resilient scotty pippen send him to the middle east i don't know about that i've never had nearly as much faith think in, so? in scotty pippen as dennis rodman and dennis rodman was just a monster down low uh there's no Incredible. question he played with a. I think he played a, lot of with gusto, a higher a basketball iq Dennis Rodman? Yeah, yeah. than uh, than Pippen mm. uh, and in mm. most, most players. I mean, if you can't shoot, if you just flat out cannot shoot, mm. how can you be helpful, mm. right? Mm. Uh, Rodman, of all the people, Larry Smith from Golden State Warriors from back in the 80s, mm -hmm. he was like this. There's a few, a very small handful of people who absolutely cannot shoot and really can't dribble. And I mean, he, he really did play at the highest. He plays on he's championship great, teams. He's a great, pa great passer. I mean, who's, uh, he, was, he was phenomenal. Is there anyone like that in the NBA these days? There's no, no one. No, like nobody, that no, no, no rebounds in the NBA. No, I mean no. Tristan Thompson is a rebound specialist, but he can't do anything. This is true, but Tristan, but Tristan has been catch. scoring, has been scoring more. But this he can't, he can't catch, he can't dribble, he can't do anything. He doesn't play. It's true. Can't, with can't dribble. particular intelligence, Robin was just a, a smart, crazy person. On the yeah, line. like he had Draymond Green's kind of like, uh, and I, I've I've grown to hate uh, Draymond, but uh, that's, that's like good. had his sense of you've you've affected me <laughs> negatively in so many ways. Coming, I have on. a signed Draymond Green um, All Star jersey from the first year he was in the All Star game. Because uh, I met him. Do you really? There was a real, there was a quick uh, just uh, in my closet. So so getting off the plane, Steph Curry's holding the. God, is it the are the, we really the, we have to talk about Steph? Yeah, well, real quick, the the, the, the NBA. He's got the NBA championship. Was it the Larry O'Brien Trophy? Oh. Uh, uh, Kevin Durant's got the MVP, and uh, Draymond Green's right between them, holding a bag of Cheetos. Cheetos. He's just like <laughs> nailing the Cheetos. <laughs> he hasn't uh, missed many Cheetos. Steph Curry is the worst. I don't, I don't want to talk about that NBA season. But I, I you know, there were there were several tweets, uh, of course, because there's always a goddamn tweet uh -huh. uh, from 2013, 2014, and 2015, where Trump was mocking the idea of Dennis Rodman going to North Korea to bring uh -huh. peace. So. Yeah, yeah. And he was yeah. also yeah. mocking the idea Glad of, I fired him from The Apprentice. Of, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. People who were in the middle of, of uh, negotiating deals uh, shouldn't brag prematurely about them. Yeah. Of course. Uh, all from yeah. 2014. There, it's often uh, the case that you will find little nuggets of wisdom uh, in, in Trump's Twitter archive, wisdom that he has decided to completely ignore. Which, you know, 
I think he didn't want Rihanna to get back together with Chris Brown. I think Did he, he say that? Quite adamant about that. Actually, very good yeah. advice. Yeah. Did he say anything about Jamie Foxx or? Oh no, no, no. Uh, Jamie Foxx has been accused. Is that right? Yeah, that that, that, that was that was trending for about thirty seconds today because yeah. I don't know if Jamie Foxx is that big anymore. So some 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 dick slapping. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Hold anyway. uh, Put your hands over your uh, kids' ears. I'm sorry. Wow. Well, I, I mean, well, that just derailed everything. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, that's a big deal. <laughs> It's a big deal. It shows you how much of a big deal Jamie Foxx is. Well, I think we've solved this uh, this yeah. situation. Um, it sounds like there is broad agreement that this could be a good thing, but maybe not. Um, and perhaps that some of the poo-pooing that is happening about this is a little bit overdone. Yeah, there's. I mean, the, the, you know, there's there's a contingent that you know will say never you know never give a cookie to a dictator but they had no these are the same people who had no objections to obama's you know iran deal and you know, castro but there are fair criticisms to the over the top uh flattery that trump was sure. bestowing on I mean but this yeah, is sure. this is it's trumpian I mean that is. I know, but Kim is one of Kim is awful. I, Kim is one of the. This is this, this is not hyperbole. Like I'm Kim, with you. That is the, the, you know like I think Lewis Black said you know North Korea is like you know you don't fuck with evil like that you know and and Trump is you know going over there and talking about his great personality. This is kind of gross. This is not statesmanship and it's not poker. You know it's not twelve dimensional chess. It's giving away a, a, you know even even these little gestures are matter. They do they really do matter. They add up to something. And, I think I think. The, it is overblown the sense of what we give away. I think it's more that what he says is on its face bad when he's fluffing up a, a, a dictator and saying these, these nice things. Those are bad things to do. But like the the discourse around the flags intertwining yeah. and this kind of stuff. That's what you do. We've given we've given this That's precious yeah. thing away. Like no. yeah, but here's 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 a thought question. I don't even know if I have the answer to this. Yeah. What if what if Trump invites Kim to the White House? I think there's already been been rumors that that. Yeah, no, I, 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 there yeah. the rumors, yes. Yeah. But but you know, given that Trump flies off the handle, yeah. this is one that hasn't come out of his. So mouth, here's to my so knowledge. here's the question: Is yeah. it is it is it the worst thing in the world if he brings him to the White House? I'm at that's that's what I'm putting to the table. I would I would at that point want just from a negotiating. I, I'm happy of the dialogue and the, and the possibilities of things going forward, mm -hmm. but. Um, State visit to the White House is a thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is much more of a thing than having a meeting in Singapore. Mm -hmm. And so I would want in, in return for the thing because it is, it has value and you're offering that value. Sure. I want to see some prisons empty. Hmm. Like I want, I want there to be a tangible thing that is related very directly to your human rights problem. Um, right now, and I think people, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I'm in an awkward position because I think constantly in terms of human rights internationally broad and always have. Um, the, but the first order issue here is let's not have nuclear war. Let's mm -hmm. do the things that we're not having, like the missiles aren't pointing at and each other. And let's not have Kim be so desperate that he sells a nuke to a you know rogue party. Or well, yeah. So let's, is there any possibility of that actually happening? Why not? I'm saying you empty the prison camps. Oh. You North Korea is awash in political dissidents, people who, who hate the regime and have sure. every reason to hate the regime. Mm -hmm. And the truth is that my, my suspicion is that when it comes to that kind of dramatic reform. Yeah. I don't know that they're reform. capable of it. Um, I, I don't think they are capable yeah. of it because it would be political suicide. They exist by this murderous well, absolutely. tyranny. But there isn't, there isn't a dissonant movement in North Korea. No, but you might create one. 
Uh, well, sure. That's a very yeah. fair point. So, but like, okay, that sounds like a very good condition to having a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. No, I'm, I'm uh, with you. That's yeah. the point. I hear you. So, so, so I was yeah, just asking if that's But like the first, the first like thing, we just nailed it though. Like that, that's, you know, that, that there's that's a it. possibility. No, that, that we said, you know, is there a line that could be drawn where mm-hmm. we say, okay, Trump inviting Kim to the White House is not a crime against humanity. But if he said, but if he asks, he's like, "Hey, Donald, can I come by?" You're saying that he should be like, "Nah, man, you can't come until you." You got to release at least like, a hundred thousand people. I and thought we, we just went ver- through this. Yeah, but, but you know, the worry is because it's the Hermit Kingdom and everything is so difficult to verify that he could just get a hundred thousand North Korean crisis actors and put them on a diet for a month and say these were prisoners. And since and since the topic uh, uh, behind all of this is the denuclearization and also security guarantees by which we're not necessarily saying the United States will guarantee that you will be secure, but that they feel like we're not going to invade them or like back some insurgents mm-hmm. that are going to. So um, that needs to be sorted too, or at least to some, to a much better degree than, than this kind of uh, vague statement. Like if there's, if, if the whole point is to say verifiable, we're, we're getting rid of your nukes, then you're going to need more than, than what we have currently. I'm, Probably, um, you know, more motivated by the really some uh, pl- political prisoners here. But whatever it is, you need a hell of a lot more than we have. What we have right now is not much. You should get something. Got it. Well, cool. All right. Um, I wanted to mention something else. Um, I maybe two things about Netflix. Uh, one is um, White Right Meeting the Enemy. It's a documentary on Netflix mm. by uh, Dia Khan. I believe that's her name. Dia Khan, perhaps D E Y A H Khan. Um, really good Mm. she meets uh white supremacists not fake white supremacists real white supremacists um and what she does is she treats these people like human beings and it creates an opening for her as a muslim woman dealing with white supremacists to have conversations with them where she confronts them with some of the hateful messages that she's gotten from their fellow white supremacists and asking them would you call me shit-skinned do you think that's appropriate that that they're leveling death threats at me? And in a couple of cases, people have these dramatic shifts in perspective. Really? Um, and actually like leave the movement. And I'm spoiling it for you a bit, but yeah. you should still watch. I mention it both because I found the documentary really moving, but also because um, there's been this other thing going on with um, the Nation of Islam recently, mm. where Farrakhan actually ended up losing his Twitter verification. And Louis Farrakhan is almost certainly more influential in terms of total numbers and in terms of dollars that he actually has at his disposal. And he has a repugnant message um, that is vehemently anti-Semitic and one might even say anti-white. I think it's totally fair to say that. It's black supremacist. One could definitely say that. Um, It's all kinds of ugly things. Um, I don't think we should be terrified about that, but I think we should be honest about it. And in much the same way, when I see like the Richard Spencers of the world I don't think we should be terrified about that because we shouldn't overstate the severity of the problem. Um, but in both cases, the, the potential to have conversations with people who have ugly and repugnant views is, it, it seems to me, just treating them as human beings, engaging with the odious idea that they might have in a serious way um, in the hopes of trying to persuade them. Uh, it's easy to do one-on-one, certainly much harder to do in the mainstream without potentially investing it with credibility, which is what one always worries about. Um, Headline, Camille Foster seems... says, 
Louis Farrakhan as a human being. He's indeed a human being. He's a repugnant human being. His ideas are retrograde. I'd be willing to talk to him about his retrograde ideas. There's, there's a lot of ways to talk to, to people like this where you're not um, legitimizing them or, or giving more oxygen than they deserve. There's, you know, there's, there's confrontational ways and mm -hmm. there's ways that it appears that this documentarian did where you – you know, you talk. You to seem them. like a decent human being. You how, talk could to, you, how could you, you believe you that? You kind of draw them in, yeah. and there's and then there's you know there's there's ways where you challenge them without screaming at them. There's a, there's there's a lot of different ways to go about it, and the important thing to do is if you're going to talk to them and you don't agree with them, then don't agree with them. That's the yeah. key thing, yeah. which I feel like happens with uh, you know racists on you know, on the white and interviewers who should be a little more critical, and it absolutely has happened with Farrakhan over the years. I remember MTV did did so many uh, interviews and specials where they elevated him to some kind of elder statesman sage, which used to drive me crazy. Do you really? remember? Oh, I mean, in the early 2000s, uh, I remember Sway. Remember him, the, the DJ? You ain't got the answer, Sway. Yeah. He 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 gave a long introduction about all of Farrakhan's you know his illustrious career and his you know what a, what an important fig, influential figure in the black community he was, and th this was all a big long drawn out was, is long drawn out introduction to Farrakhan being the mediator to settle the feud between Ja Rule and Fifty Cent, which well, everyone was which everyone was terrified was yeah. going to turn into a Tupac and Biggie bloodbath because of the loss on both sides. Yes, yeah. so I mean, it would have been a profound. So this was MTV. This was MTV in the early aughts, you know, when it was certainly transitioning from its, you know, music video uh, into reality TV phase, but s definitely socially conscious. And this was early Farrakhan when he was still totally a fucking anti-Semite. Same early kind Farrakhan. of anti-Semite. I mean, not even all that early. I mean, it hasn't changed at all. This is like seven or eight years it's after. Sarcasm. Yeah, after the, the after the million. Man, he was horrible in the Million Man March. And, I know. And, and Spike Lee made a movie about <laughs> the unity of going to the Million Man March. Also and made a, a movie about the uh, conspiracy one. to to blow up the levees and kill all the black people in New Orleans. It's a true story. You made it through that that whole thing. Mm, it's a pretty good movie. Oh, <laughs> You're wrong. You're all wrong. I, I think it needed about the levees. It needed more long uh, New Orleans funeral uh, footage. There yeah. was there wasn't enough of that in that yeah. movie. You need a lot of that, and but that crazy white lady was great. Mm. You have to. I know, no, there were moments. It was four hours long though. Cut it down to two, but we're, we're good. Uh, no, I, I, there's a there's an unsolvable riddle about how you cover fringe. Uh, over the years. Oh, my God. Speaking of fringe. Oh, it's funny. I said, oh, how do you cover fringe? We were just talking about how white supremacists aren't so bad. And then you walk and into then, the room. And then Richard Spencer's haircut <laughs> walks through the room. <laughs> Jesus, can I get a little volume of my headphones in? Oh, Jeez. my God. He walks in. Yeah. Oh, God. How's that? Uh, that's good. Good. All right. That's good. I want to please you. Well, you missed all the North Korea talk. And, and we're like mid we're, we're like we're late Farrakhan's. Yeah. We're, um, oh, I saw that video. Yeah. The one that was posted everywhere was like, the Jews are devils. I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> there was something about anal sex and the like, cast oh, couch yeah, in there, too. Yeah. I mean, of course. Yeah. Of course. How do you think that's... Well, I mean, that's just true. It's him talking about me, too. Yeah. He's talking about Harvey is, Weinstein. If someone is trying to have sex with you on a casting couch, they're almost certainly... I, I literally just had a conversation with somebody about Harvey Weinstein. opening up this plastic sack. <laughs> yeah, it's got a bottle of wine in it. Should be, oh. be happy. I don't I The twist wine. top? And I, I, no, I, I actually oh, brought, a, I bought an opener, too. So are you just going to drink that straight from the... Uh, oh, from fuck, the, we don't have any cups. I, we got cups. All right, we'll get some cups. No, I was literally just talking to somebody about Harvey Weinstein who knew Harvey Weinstein. On the subway. And said, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was... <laughs> it, was it was Rose McGowan. Um, <laughs> um, who, by the way, got indicted for, for the cocaine thing. Thing and blamed Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Said they planted it on her. 
It's like, you know, you're losing some credibility that. here. <laughs> it's good. It's possible. But, but said, you know, the, the person made a comment. It was like, you know, uh, the sex stuff is pretty obvious. And he was a scumbag and we, and we all knew it. But uh, it's the financial stuff that you really should get him on. Because apparently he's just been swindling people for years. I, oh. I, I guess that doesn't surprise you. Huh. And uh, there was a conversation in the it's group like, of people. Like Birdman. About Birdman uh, his been... brother, um, Bob. And uh, yeah. whether he would go down or not, because he was also a little filthy, as somebody said. I'm just, I'm just relaying that. Don't sue me. You just completely recycle. Actually, they can't sue. Not, they awesome. can't do anything right now. Don't think they, so. They can't sue anyone right now. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, you shouldn't do that because you're a rapist. That's bad. Anyway, hi. Hi. Hey, good to see you guys. Man. Sorry, I was a little late. Where are you coming from? I was coming from a little event. Oh. Yeah. It was special? It was a good event. Yeah, good. It was fun. I'm glad. Fun. I'm yeah. opening this. I'm glad. Um, good. Yeah. Name the most famous person at the event. Besides <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Michael Moynihan. Um, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just no, one more, no one more famous than me. That, Give the kids that, a taste. That I... That, uh, that I interacted with? Not that you've had yeah, sex with in the past, but like, uh, no, that uh, the uh, person who you know was there the, is a the, famous person. Yeah, I wasn't that big of a party. Uh, it was surprised me, Patrick Stewart. Oh, See? Like, oh, wow. Yeah, that was pretty good. That's good. Yeah. Did you rub his head for good luck? Or? I had no idea. I thought he was, uh, I didn't know who, I thought he was the guy who played Gandhi. Apparently it wasn't him. <laughs> <Kingsley. laughs> is that him? Yeah. Apparently it's a different guy. Yeah. The whole, they, I, literally 20 minute, 20 minute conversation. Both, so that Gandhi <laughs> shit was pretty good. They, he, he was kind of a racist. Like they Einstein. all look the whole South Africa. Yeah, <laughs> so that was, that wasn't good. And he was like looking at me and I was like, you the fucking the movie that you did. No, I'm not saying you are him, but when you were, him in the movie was great. <laughs> and he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So anyway. Um, so maybe we should move on from here. Um, actually, I you know what? Know Came in like a ton of bricks. Can I, can and I say? Can we, can we do one more Netflix thing? Because this is this here. is not something that happens every what? day. There's a little coat de Rome. Um, pour it on uh, fish's yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's her name? Is it Michelle Wolf? Yeah, Michelle. Yeah. Michelle Wolf has a new Netflix show. Yeah, um, it's a weekly show yeah. that the new episodes uh, are released. She's the uh, screechy White House uh, press. Is yeah. the show any good? This, the show is awful. No, it is not. I mean, it is just abysmally bad. No. Not funny. I watched the first episode. I watched the entire thing. They have this miserable joke about an Amazon Echo that they keep returning to. There are skits that are badly acted. Um, and I, I just, I thumbs down it on Netflix, which yeah. I don't like the thumbs down is the thing now. I, I like, wasn't it star ratings Yeah, before? it's still, it stars when you, if you have DVDs, which I do. Because, well, you, know. I, you are the guy that has the DVDs. I, I, you know so why? Creepy. Because there's, I didn't know everything, you were a pedophile. Everything is on DVD and about 5% of movies and shows are on streaming. I mean, wow. I like the little red envelope in your mailbox. Oh yeah, I get, I still get the, I pay wow. eight, eight bucks a month. I get, wow. I get one at a time and I get to see actual movies and not just the yeah. algorithm crap yeah. that is on uh, streaming. Mm. Uh, I, yeah. I like I don't it. have a TV, I don't have a DVD player. You know, records are so much better than CDs and I, I, my, my, play, my, my PlayStation 3 uh, is, is serving me well uh, to play discs on. Oh, like, yeah. Well, I mention it because today I discovered, because Anthony Fisher came in and informed me, not because I'm watching the show, because I've stopped because watching. Because I do inform on comedians. Yeah. yeah, there was a, a New York Times skit, and our uh, former, former guest on this program, Barry Weiss, mm -hmm. was lampooned yes. in this video. Why do you publish so many bad opinions? Why is there a cartoon bird under my hat? Good point. I really am a kooky man. Now, when forming your opinion, make sure that it's salacious. Make the literati and clutch its pearls and cry, Fuck on your franchise! A paper with no take is like a birthday with no cake. And you can't forget the icing. Now let's hear Barry Wise sing. Stop! 
the press I had a kooky thought My opinion is bold And my angle is hot What if Pizzagate were actually great? Stop it! Enough, Barry Weiss! Your opinions suck! They're bad opinions! Bad! Do you even realize what you're doing? People look at your paper as a trusted source for informed opinions, but instead you're validating these batshit points of view. That was a comedy it's, bit? It's actually <laughs> categorized as comedy. I mean, I, I have known Barry for a number of years, and I love Barry, and I would be perfectly happy if somebody was ripping Barry and it was funny. It's <laughs> <laughs> totally fine. Barry, love you, but come on, man. And, and maybe based on something that she actually did. I, I'm like, sorry, but it was no the, association with Pete. You don't remember yeah, the, yeah. the she's 25 like, yeah. essays that she's written yeah. about how great Pete's yeah. She's like Mike Cernovich yeah, now? That's outrageous. <laughs> that actually tells you something yeah. of like how, you know, uh, there's a great... Um, there's a great uh, expression that I think it's kind of made it into. I've seen people mention it in, in like the English language press, but the expression in Swedish is the opinion corridor. And they talk about how like there's only a certain amount of select opinions in the Swedish mm -hmm. uh, media that are allowed. It's O6 corridor. And, and there is like this opinion corridor where you have, it sounds better in Swedish, better, but <laughs> where you have like Barry Wise outside of the kind of boring consensus politics of the New York Times. And only a and little bit outside. Only a little bit outside. Like, Barry's always been, like, a kind of lefty. And, and um, it, it, well, you know. Lefty on, for the Wall Street uh, Journal. Yeah, for the Wall Street she's, Journal. She's she's a, that's why she left the Wall Street Journal. She's slightly center-right, maybe. She's a center-right person, yeah. right? And, um, you know, to have that conflated with Pizzagate is like, good God. Well, it's a comedy bit. Well, how about you? I mean, that's like defamation. It Good does. God. It does tell also, you I mean, something about where where we are. We're, and we're also like, you know, again, the punchline is they're not mean stop it that way. Your opinions are bad. Yeah, like that's yeah. that's the level of that's you know, true, right? Flipping like, yeah. it in satire. Yeah. And, you know, but no, it's all, it also yeah. shows exactly what these types of people. I mean, who, who who aren't in the business that we've been in for a long time. I mean, she's a comedian. She might be funny sometimes. I have no idea. But the way like the Samantha Bees of the world and now uh, Michelle Wolf. Um, kind of frame this stuff is they don't trust anyone, right? They don't trust anyone to be able to read a Barry Weiss column. If you're reading Barry Weiss's column, by the way, you're not some guy in Staten Island that's, you know, working on like the Roto-Rooter <laughs> and like getting things out of like septic tanks. I mean, there's a certain type of person that's reading Barry Weiss's column, but they don't trust. They're like, oh my God, you, you have to get rid of those ideas. It's like people speaking on campus because if people might hear them and actually believe it. Right. And I'm clever. I'm amazing. I'm so smart and I can differentiate between this stuff. But if you put that out there, ooh, man, I know some people that will believe it. And that's they're trying to protect the dumb. And that's how they think of themselves. I've talked to people about this. And they're like, we can't. Why can't we have opinions like people? And I'm doing stories. Why can't we have these people on campus? Because people might believe it. Well, yeah, it's the sheep. Good theory. God. They, should we shut down YouTube? I suppose they want that. No, I mean, kind of uh, media analysis from the time of the War of the Worlds, basically, mm. um, has been uh, based on, which was a widely misinterpreted event, the Orson Welles uh, radio cast. Has right, been the radio broadcast yeah. of- Has of been attributed of, of causing all this like widespread freakouts on the on the East Coast. And there's been some really good, uh, uh, more recent- Debunkings, uh, yeah. Debunkings of all of this. But like it it plays into the perfect flattery of the Michelle Wolfs of 1943 and, and 55 and, and elsewhere, which mm -hmm. is that you have this vast nation of kind of inert, sheep, these receptacles ready to be excited and to be told wrong things and then to be activated against something to act in ways against their own uh, interest. Mm -hmm. 
And so we should look at media through that lens. Um, I mean, the, the, the classic that we see around a lot is the, the whole idea of whether uh, Richard Nixon would have been impeached if there was a Fox News um, back then, which is dumb for a lot of reasons that I probably got into recently, but I was too drunk to remember on this podcast. <laughs> um, but, but it's the idea that, these, that everyone is, is so ready to be uh, influenced and that they will, they will just receive. They don't it, – it, it, it denudes everybody of, of agency. It, it, it has a, a, a wrong idea about how human beings actually uh, consume media. Yeah. We don't consume media. Think about how you listen to music, for crying out loud. How do you listen to Guns N' Roses? Do you listen to Guns N' Roses with the exact same intent that Axl Rose had when he wrote One in a Million? I don't. Um, everyone has their own. Everyone like rematches and remixes their own kind of interpretations on media. Sometimes they physically do remix it. Sometimes they listen to stuff that they 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 disagree with. There are people listening to this podcast right now who disagree with us every week, and they listen yeah. to it no matter. They listen to it anyways because it's, it's yeah. interesting on some level to them. Maybe stop wasting your time, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're trying yeah. to although, tell you. Although go fairness, back to the echo chamber. <laughs> although in fairness, we don't always agree with one another on everything. Mm. Um, like and by the way, and in fairness week. too, if like we have a lot of libertarian <laughs> listeners, I think we have listeners from all, from all different political backgrounds. It's true, but uh, libertarians are really bad at this too. And remember, in two thousand seven, eight, in the uh, Ron Paul campaign, and all of a sudden, this phrase "sheeple" that is like, oh yeah, okay, sheeple, you believe. <laughs> You you don't understand that the Rothschilds are eating babies' faces at the Federal Reserve in the basement wearing gold pants? Like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> I would get these emails all the time, like, all right, gold sheeple. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Seriously, guys? No one's going to take you seriously because of this stuff. Every political ideology and iteration of an ideology has some version of this, right? It has some version of, of, of this idea that people are going to get wrong think if they're exposed to ideas and they're not challenged as they are happening. You know, like Facebook saying that fake news is coming and we have to debunk it in real time. Right. And we're going to have to expunge it from the platform. And we have to, we have to employ 450,000 people, um, all of whom know what's fake and what's real, to actually adjudicate this stuff and make sure that it doesn't hit your mom's eyes so she doesn't vote for, you know, um, Bob Dornan. Didn't Wikipedia <laughs> enlist, uh, was it Wikipedia or Facebook that used the Southern Poverty Law Center as a... Uh, source to determine which is good and which is bad opinion. I don't I don't know if, about Wikipedia. Yeah, I remember that too. Yeah, yeah. It, was one, yeah. it was one of the two of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely. But yeah, I, it's, I, I find it so funny that that, and you're right, I'm sorry, I'm putting my wine down. <laughs> okay. I've been drinking for about three hours now. Um, so this might not make any sense. But, but no, the offensive thing about that is exactly as Anthony pointed out. It's like, your opinions are garbage. Well, I don't know if that's supposed to be some sort of punchline because it's not funny. Yeah, I mean, but, there's plenty of lefty comics that can make me laugh. Yeah, Tom. funny because they, 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 comedies, you know, surprises you. you know, yeah. There's no surprise at the end of a totally, you know, a, a straw man argument that Barry Weiss, Barry Weiss is somehow a pizza gator. Yeah. And then somebody coming and yelling at them. At but the we, should, we should also establish that you didn't use left-wing comics because you are right-wing. You use left-wing comics because there are no right-wing comics for you to laugh at. That's not true. I'm, uh, I'm, no, there's a lot, actually. Are there there's, right-wing uh, comics? I would Larry, say, Larry Miller is a guy who's always identified as conservative. Yeah, he's been he's re, He used to write for the Weekly Standard. Yeah, okay. PJ I mean, O'Rourke. Well, PJ O'Rourke was not a comic, really. I mean, he's, I guess the difference between not really a comedian and a comic. Yeah. But yeah. I would say that there's a lot, a new um, breed now 
of people that probably, I don't know if they're Republicans or if they're conservatives, yeah. but they really kick against the pricks on the kind of cultural moment of like being careful and of people's feelings. And that would be people like, of course, Nick DiPaolo, uh, Bill Burr is a good example of this. Yeah. And it's like, I, you can find all the videos of Bill Burr crushes, you know, feminists or whatever. And he's done a bit about this, which is really funny. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not crushing any feminists. Like, <laughs> but, you know, if people who say so he's like- He's Moynihan in person. Oh, yeah, he's from, he's a asshole. Yeah. He's a pretty hardcore asshole. But yeah, there's a lot of comics out there, yeah. like um, Colin Quinn. Sure. I mean, look at, uh, Colin Quinn, I don't think is anyone's idea of a conservative, but, you know, Tough Crowd, the old show that he's a fantastic show. Yeah. One of the best shows, like comics, comics. And he absolutely was was uh, tilting right during those days. Oh, for sure. During the early I mean, Bush even years. guys like uh, Patrice O'Neill were mm -hmm. like, you know, tilting kind of towards the right Joan, after that. Joan Rivers, who was funny to the day she died, was, was you know, <laughs> all, yeah. always all of it. And again, it's like, it's how we categorize this stuff. I wouldn't say that, I don't think Joan Rivers... I think she's probably, you know, uh, like pro-choice and sure. would uh, refer to as herself when she was alive as a feminist. She lived in New York City, et cetera. Um, Obviously. But, uh, but I don't, yeah. yeah, but I don't, I don't. It's like, like a incredibly sympathetic to, to her huge gay audience. Yeah. And we kind of say that, well, they're conservatives because, or they're right-leaning because they agree that people should shut the fuck up about jokes like harming people yeah. and being offensive to people. Yeah. And like that offends me. So therefore, to which I've said this in the show before, and I always wonder, and I, I do deploy this once in a while when people say, oh, that really offended me. And I say um, a very straightforward thing afterwards, like, what does that mean? I'm like, oh, I'm offended by it. And, they can, they, and I say, no, 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 don't use the word in your response. Tell me, does it mean that you go home and you can't go out of the house for a couple of days? You're crying in the corner. Your <laughs> knees are pressed up against your chin, rocking back and forth, saying, I can't fucking do it because I heard that Bill Burr joke. I mean, what does it mean to be offended? I'm offended 90% of my day because I hate humans <laughs> and because I'm, and I live in New York, which is a lot of humans to hate. Very hard. Yeah. And is people like, oh, showtime on the subway. <laughs> fucking showtime. I don't want showtime. I didn't word. pay for any fucking show. <laughs> Motherfucker, I'm like trying to get home. Oh my God, my headphones on. I'm trying to like- $5 if you guys don't perform. Yeah. Right so if you don't, if you don't, if you've ever been to New York City, Showtime is a is a time when people uh, had, had put, it's, Camille, can you explain it? I'm too frustrated. It's, it's, uh, it's people coming races. onto the train to dance. They come, they turn on a stereo no, it's a, and they perform. They you know, kick you in the face. Is, that is way yeah, too benign. Right? Off they, 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 they come on and like they said, they announce themselves very loud. Showtime. It's showtime. Showtime. The boom, the boom box, if that's still what it's called, they yeah, still call it yeah, that these days, it goes on. And we used to call it a ghetto blast and, and <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely aggressive and sometimes violent because they don't always uh, pull the, the moves off and they do sometimes hit bystanders but they're they, usually pretty good they, they, there's some very okay. talented break dancing and sometimes they're even like spider Super. crawling on the wall yeah, on the it's, ceiling it's more yeah. like huh. but you're on the subway which is goddamn hell which is which yeah. barely works all right yeah. which stinks which you know yeah. either is it's either, usually like a woman yeah. next to you eating like chinese food yeah. it <laughs> is like smells horrible commuting in York is a is an absolute how can you eat misery. in the train you don't see so that gross. no I've seen it. It's I see it all the time. It's like people that have like like a four course meal on the train. Really like people bad. bringing out new that, dishes. Even talking about this is what that is that? Is that is it, where did you get the dumplings? That was in my pocket. Let's get, I, a, no, let's no, get let's away. Not. Pocket I'm dumplings. Absolutely please. no. Let's not. Uh, oh my god. I would absolutely just, rather be harassed by a homeless person than deal with the Showtime guy. I mm. just. I, uh, it's the worst. I went to a, a, a Yankee game with. A, I have literally no idea how I got the Showtime. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're because you're offended. 
with Kennedy. Oh, yeah, I'm offended by that. <laughs> Fuck, yeah, I'm offended by Showtime. Kennedy, know what it means. Kennedy and I and our two eldest daughters went to a Yankee game. Uh, and Kennedy spectacularly uh, smuggled in a, a clear uh, bottle of Hero. coconut tequila. Uh, <laughs> uh, so trash. Liquor up. <laughs> uh, our daughters were like rolling uh, their eyes at us aggressively. Uh, but anyway. Coconut tequila? <laughs> oh, yeah. Did she have cornrows? She's, she, that's like some <laughs> fucking, that's some like spring break shit right there. She was like saying to me, like, uh, <laughs> hey, Matt, what should I do with my Rip bottle out. of water before we go in? You know, that kind of stuff. But anyways. This, this may or may not have <laughs> Uh, uh, the uh, on our ride home, we uh, and I'm only mentioning this because I'm going to share the photo, actually the, the 20 second video that we'll share to our listeners because it's the most hilarious thing you'll ever see. Um, on the subway home, we had Showtime, and our our two daughters were sitting in like physical proximity when the when the feet were swinging around as they were going around the pole. This oh no, stuff, getting pretty close. And Kennedy did a wonderful uh, cinema verite uh, kind of thing. It was focusing on the Showtime guys, and then at a crucial moment, goes to the girls. <laughs> they were terrified. <laughs> They're terrified, disgusted, possibly racist. It's unclear. <laughs> uh, it's just, it was a, a tremendous moment of uh, New York life. There's only one word that can, you can use in a context like that, Matt. Sniglet. <laughs> did, you, did you hear this term? Uh, uh, Sniglet? You mean the Rich Hall? <laughs> rich Hall used to have a thing called Sniglets, remember? Is that right? No, what is yeah, it? Yeah, it was like yeah. fake words that he made up. Was that from the not necessarily the news? It was post, yeah. but this yeah. is early, early. Yeah, days. they had like a Sniglet book. It the was early like, 80s yeah. so Saturday Night Live that was yeah. that I remember one of them. So yeah, apparently Rachel, Rachel Maddow right. used that word to describe the, proxim- the, 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 the strip of land that connects Russia and North Korea. The, 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 the sniglet of land there. Yeah. Really? <laughs> wow. That's amazing. It's super racist. The sniglet of land. <laughs> Unbelievable. But I, you know, his face is alighting with possibilities. Wow. No, I just <laughs> saw that thing the other day. What did she say? There was some conspiracy she had the other day. It's difficult to break down the entire context, but in, in, yeah, it's in one in, of her in, 10 in, or 15 feigning, minute monologues. In, yeah, exactly. In feigning her outrage over, uh, maybe not feigning, but she, in her, oh. in expressing her outrage. There was a, over, there was a fair amount of North Korea summit. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that North Korea shares a border with Russia? Mm. <laughs> Wait for it, because I'm going to say it ten more times yeah. in the next ten minutes. And when we I come back from point. this break, and then I'm going to cock an eyebrow, <laughs> look at the camera, and that'll be hilarious. <laughs> and then Nick Gillespie God. will touch me. That oh yeah, um, and never get invited fuck? back uh, <laughs> on, on real time. Yeah, that, happened. that was his last that appearance, happened, right? I don't know. Um, hey, can we talk about this uh, election business from yesterday? Should we talk about yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. Multiple elections decided yesterday. The two that everyone are talking about, however, South Carolina election, where multi-time governor once disgraced after scandalous affair um, and then became a congressman, a Republican <laughs> congressman. Um, so what? Mark Sanford mm-hmm. managed to lose an election mm-hmm. yesterday. Uh, Incumbent. Pretty, pretty dramatic fashion, the incumbent, yes. And, the um, and also the Virginia election, uh, where someone who uh, purportedly is a, quote, neo-Confederate, and as a mm. Vox, Vox headline uh, indicates, alt-right hero, uh, Corey Stewart, also managed to win his Senate primary race uh, mm. and will be facing down the, uh, the, the incumbent, who was the former vice presidential nominee, Whose name I'm forgetting. Tim Kaine. Tim Kaine. That's right. 
Also, <laughs> <laughs> great campaign, guys. Tim Kaine. <laughs> Camille doesn't remember. Tim Kaine. Yeah. Yep. It's like you, it, honestly, you the, literally remember the, Lloyd Benson. <laughs> but, but in either case, both of these elections happened. I think both are perhaps <laughs> worth talking about. I kind of think that really. Tim Kaine was like from like Minnesota. Isn't there something kind of Minnesota? It's, it's super Minnesota. It's not a Virginia thing. Yeah. I remember, yeah. I remember during that Kaine-Pence debate every once in a while going, which one's who? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, battle for, battle for the basement. Well, the, the boring, Mark, the Mark boring San, losers. The Mark Sanford um, situation is actually quite interesting because Mark Sanford is fairly libertarian. I, I would say that he was offered. I didn't realize this until yesterday uh -huh. when someone uh, tweeted it out. Um, he claimed in 2016, I have no reason not to believe him. Uh, in June of 2016, that he was offered, <laughs> or May of 2016. No reason not to believe him. No, I, I don't. I, I know. I've, By the I, way, he's never lied about anything publicly <laughs> before. <laughs> Let him finish. Appalachian Trail. <laughs> <laughs> to be to be sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, he said that he was offered the uh, number two slot on the Libertarian Party uh, platform hmm. uh, by Gary Johnson hmm. in May of uh of, of 26 can't, can't accept that <laughs> yeah but he looked at it and he was like no that's okay i mean totally good people may may not mark sanford is a guy who was in the conversation yeah for true. potentially being yeah the sort of front yeah. runner for the republican nomination not front runner but in the that's why i said potentially being the front runner yeah that's what i said it's, it's, it might be a little bit of wishful thinking on there's a part. great uh, piece by tim alberta uh, who writes really well about uh He's Tim Alberta for Politico, I believe he is now, is kind of the the, the Michael Moynihan of Politico, <laughs> in which he's actually able to write about Republicans and weirdos and centrists that are not Democrats in a way that is intelligent. <clears throat> and he had a great profile of him whose headline was something along the lines of uh, uh, dead man walking, which is the way that Sanford described himself mm. um, uh, in because he has been criticizing Donald Trump very openly mm -hmm. and correctly uh, for the most part. Um, and so he knows that he has a target on his back. Uh, but in that profile, there's a moment when Alberta was like, you know, um, kind of seems like if we look back at the Appalachian Trail thing, which I think happened in 2009, sometime yeah. around there, um, that it's almost as if you were kind of sabotaging yourself. And he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but then like after a little while, like you kind of come to the conclusion that, yeah, he's yeah. maybe sabotaging himself a little bit mm, yeah. like that, which is a, an interesting thing. But Camille, you... It's not like he was... Is, he's not, he's not <laughs> as bad as speaking of uh, that region uh, and vice presidential candidates. Um, you know, I can think of somebody else that did something worse. I don't know about be, getting to whataboutism, but, you know, everyone's forgotten about John, John Edwards, Edwards, you know? Hmm. It's like, hey, okay. hey, what's what, what's going on in your life? I don't know. My wife's dying of cancer, so I fucked the videographer and got her pregnant. What are you <laughs> doing? That's what he did. Yeah. It's, I mean, like, it's uh, amazing. It's a piece of L.A. Wow. trash, it's, am, it's amazing. Riel Hunter, it's amazing that he is not... Like the like word that one uses when one like conjures up scandal of like that was totally insane. I think it's just because it's so it's so over. The it was top, so over the top and hard. And he's gone. To, and he's and, gone away. Yeah. And he, well, I guess was, that's. Was, I guess was, that's. He, and he was already out of that's office. Fair. He was already out of Mark office. Mark Sanford came back. Like, yeah. Well, he was doing it while he was. He was running yeah. for no. He was running for president. But it's yeah. not like he when, yeah. when it all came out. It's not like he had to resign or anything. Yeah. He was already yeah. out of I'm, office. It's a cool I'm thing confident. Running for president. I'm confident. I've told the story pretty before, amazing. but the story is so legendary. I said vice president running for president. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to tell a legendary story. You guys just keep going. No, I'm just drunk and I was correcting myself. That's why I said vice president. That's good. That's fine. Go ahead. 
Go ahead. Tim so Camille, K. the yeah. thing is, so I do have a legendary story. Camille Foster actually was spooning, if I'm not mistaken, Mark what? Sanford on the Acela Express. No, this wasn't even the Acela Express. In the Quai car. You, the regional, your attempt regional to try train? to set up my... This is a New York City not. subway. New York City subway. What? I get on the train. Showtime! <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I get on the train. Mark Sanford in a and pole. I'm, I'm, riding, <laughs> I'm riding the train. I'm riding to my destination. I see this, this, this tall man sitting with this... Uh, Exotic is it? Is it racist to say exotic? Totally. I'm going to say totally. it. Guys. Yeah, right. I mean, I was sitting with this exotic, sitting with this exotic beauty. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the gentleman, like, we make eye contact in a way that New Yorkers don't, and he smiles at me. Like, yeah. that's weird. And I said, <laughs> yeah. "Holy shit!" Yeah, and I just said, "Excuse me, sir." I mean, after a little while, I said, "Are you?" Former Governor Mark Sanford. You know, at first he was like, "Oh my God, there's a black guy." <laughs> <laughs> he, he wasn't the least bit nervous. Yeah. He was so like warm and friendly, and this is the reason I talked to him because you don't talk to people on the train. What are you doing? Yeah, no, no, and, and he no, says, uh, "And he says, well, stranger, why? Danger. Yes, I am." Yeah, and uh, we proceed to have a conversation, and he says. So I'd like to introduce you to, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. my it? South American mistress for whom I destroyed my marriage wow. and my political career. They're not I together. Like, By the way, it's clear. Are they? I think they've broken up, right? I think so. I don't know. I can't confirm that. I don't know, but we did determine earlier. I'm going to be the Harvey Levin of politics here. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Appalachian Trail. Yeah, is actually a reference to. Something really dirty. I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah, I didn't even say because I've already I've already referred this to her a, as exotic. Yeah, this is a family a podcast in which I've swore yeah. basically the whole Wait, time. Is, is exotic really bad? Is that actually racist? Uh, no, I mean, no. It, I mean, I mean I'm, sure, your, I'm, sure, I'm sure somebody would call it problematic. Somebody, you know, you're not, but, it's not but, your but, Albert Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, like racist like him. That's true. Who, who sent that to us, by the way? Some, who that sent was Jen the Libertarian. Some, oh yeah, somebody. Yeah, Jen the Libertarian. No, it was you actually? No, I didn't. No, send it. I, I tweeted back at her. I mean, okay. yeah. Jen the Libertarian uh, sent us something. Some publication somewhere uh, yeah. has discovered it was all over. That is that right? It was all over it was today. All... It was somebody who was, I think, the editing Guardian or something. The Guardian had had the real scoop. <laughs> this, um, this is uh, hundred and forty year old scoop. To back up, it's it's in response to our uh, conversation uh, drunkenly at the end of the uh, last podcast, yeah. in which Moynihan was ah, again, yes. was going, ah boy, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, that that what? every that, <laughs> I don't do that. He's raping David Bowie <laughs> yeah. again, but yeah, no, yeah. he's talking that every uh, new. Uh, celebrity is going to be hit with yeah well, in death yes right yeah you're always destroyed in death but you know I didn't see this one coming <laughs> <laughs> Albert Einstein is like oh that yeah, he says like in 1911 I'm like yeah. oh well you know that was a kind of a bad time <laughs> for for race relations but what was it he uh, uh, he. Basically, well, he some well, I'll tell you what, he, he praised the Japanese. He kind of, yeah. Kind of. I mean, yeah. he said they're like, you know, industrious. Right. Like, yeah. Basically, he was like presaging all of the stereotypes of both both Chinese and Japanese people in America. And then I believe he today. worked on a gift for the Japanese a little later. Yes, a little oh, bit. Ooh, yeah. ooh, well, I, he didn't really work on it, also it but it was his, it was, he didn't work on it, but it was his ideas. His helped. technology. Yeah, his technology helped yeah. it along a little yeah. bit. Wow. But yeah, Ouch. so he was like, "No, he those did, are the ones I liked." He did say <laughs> no, something about he did say something something about the the, the harshest words were reserved for the Chinese. And yeah, these, these pages from his private journals, which he didn't intend for publication. Well, the words- as, as a man who spoke out against racism, do you have the words? Um, I don't have the words in hmm. front of me. Um, I do stronger than Chinaman. It was not Chinaman. It was just saying that this race of people. It would be bad for the rest of the people of the world if this race of people became the dominant mm. 
peoples of the world. So he's the which, Seb Gorka. Which actually, which actually reminded me of a dinner I had in China um, some time back. And I, I mean, if you've been to China, you'll understand this. Um, unless you're a Chinese, in which case, please turn this off. Don't listen to what I'm about to say, because you might find it offensive. Oh, no. Um, but I'm good. sitting at dinner. And I'm getting ready, and I'm getting ready to eat some sort of river fish that someone has ordered for me, and it just comes, it's not and a arrives, and it looks disgusting. It's just awful, and I can't eat this river fish, and I don't. Um, and at some point in the meal, someone leans over to me and says, "You know, Camille, China is the future." And I thought to myself, "Please, God, kill me now, yeah, because I just I don't want that future. I don't want." Is there that some future. kind of Seventh Day Adventist to no, that's invocation? Yeah, that's the, the river fish. Yeah. Oh no! It just looked. It literally looked. This guy. I show you a picture of the river fish. It was the grossest thing I've ever seen served to someone Has on a plate. Either it's one of terrible. you heard the word river fish. No. Clear, I've, I've, by the way, clearly a Jamaican. Term. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's don't give me no river fish. <laughs> I was and on the menu. It was on the menu. It was on the menu. Did you ask them what river, river slash what uh, fish? Uh, what I? <laughs> it's a bit vague. Yeah. Yeah. It's a river. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. yeah, it's this. Uh, the other thing in the uh, the uh, the menu is a woods animal. <laughs> <laughs> what type of animal? I don't know. It was a woods animal. It was something in the um, woods. <laughs> so at any rate, Sever loses his election. Um, Trump claims credit for this. Uh, it is a little odd because Trump sends a tweet, uh, an anti-Sanford yeah. tweet. What three hours <coughs> before the polls close? Something, or like, something that, like yeah. four o'clock in the afternoon. Mm, yeah. I don't know that this actually turned the election. At no, some point, it got close, and Sanford started spending money, uh, and he did, in fact, end up losing that election. Um, but the the thinking and part of the reason for bringing this up is sort of twofold. I mean, one, because Matt, you've been writing recently about the relationship between, I think, libertarians and conservatives and whether or not libertarians actually have any sort of fundamental affection for conservatives. And I think it might be useful for you to illuminate some of those points in this context. Um, but also because this is supposed to be an indication of how far the conservative movement or Republicans have fallen from the standard because Mark Sanford is a guy who was respected for a very long time for being a very consistent conservative who supported these principles and ideals of limited government and in many ways supported a lot of the president's key policies despite departing from him in a lot of important ways. Um, and paired with the Virginia election where a guy who many people regard as just completely unacceptable uh, has managed to win election. It's all of this is supposed to give us a picture of the new, awful, newly degraded Republican conservative movement. I mean, uh, so I, I, I want to I want to lead into Matt here with one half sentence. Is it Please. Katie Harrington? Was that her name? Yeah. Harrington, Arrington or Harrington? Harrington. Um, in her acceptance speech, and this sort of feeds nicely into to to what you're going to talk about is she declared on the stage, uh, this is the party of Donald J. Trump. She said that explicitly into the microphone. And, she, and that, was a, that was like a declarative statement for a very real reason. Because she, that's how she campaigned. As yeah. a Marco Rubio supporter, by the way, in Virginia back yeah. in 2016. Um, she was not a Trump fan. She mm. criticized him at the time, but ran this campaign very explicitly uh, against <clears throat> Mark Sanford by calling him a never Trumper and saying that the biggest problem with Sanford is that he doesn't agree with Trump uh, strongly enough on right. building the wall and uh, and this kind of thing. Um, I, I think the the two big takeaways from uh, yesterday, generally speaking, both in elections and, and other activities, um, is that it increased the level to which the Republican Party right now is about um, kissing Trump's ring. It's a referendum on Trump. 
just in the way the national political conversation is, which always leaves libertarians and, and people kind of in the broad, weird, non-affiliated um, uh, corners of American political life, um, semi-homeless, is it's always a referendum on Trump. Are you with or are you against? Are you like smacking the left in the face or are you smacking the right in the face? Right. Um, Sanford could do business with Trump on some days and other days not do business on Trump. Sounds like like Rand Paul. That's emotionally unsatisfying. Well, yes, except Rand Paul has found ways to, uh, you know, say there's a witch hunt uh, against Donald Trump and the Russia investigation. He's mm-hmm. found ways to keep the golf date this is with the, Trump. Uh, just the tip stratagem is essentially. <laughs> JTT. <laughs> the, knowing, J-T-T. the knowing laugh in this room. Very, very disturbing. <laughs> ah, we've all used it. And always a, and, and a little bit uh, intriguing. If just I'm not, the tip. Not, mm-hmm. Don't. It's not a song. It is. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so Sanford gets uh, bounced on that. Uh, the uh, guy who was croaked by the uh, the Paul Nalen uh, fanboy, uh, Corey Stewart, uh, was also – Nick Fritas, his name is yeah. – uh, was a, a liberty conservative or a liberty Republican yeah. who was endorsed by Rand Paul. I, uh, I mean, you, in, in some I, – I don't buy this at all, but, you know, in fairness to him, he did say that he defended and was like – he said Paul Nalen was his hero, I think, at one point. He did. Hero he was did the worst. Yeah, yeah. and he said, well, it was before he became became an out-and-out out anti-Semite. Yeah, like By the way, usually before. nobody turns on a dime like that. No, and, there's, and there's evidence. <laughs> there was, was there was some earlier in years, yeah. He had said some, years pretty, of evidence. some pretty awful and, things about deporting all Muslims. Yeah, and I Jews. mean, he was not, like, walking around with his, like, uh, yeah. you know, Ben-Gurion shirt on, and he was like, you know what? I don't like this. I'm going to go full David Irving. Heroes. I mean, there was a lot Hero of stuff. is a strong word. It's not like, yeah, I like this dude. It yeah. is. That's pretty it much is. the only way Paul Nealon defined himself was as a xenophobic anti-Semite specifically. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, now he's full. No, no, at, at this point, it, it, it was uh, before It was no, before a lot of that public talk. I'm it, sort of interested in it. There this. was a conservative, yeah. I forgot who, and I don't want to yeah. say the wrong person, but uh, I remember when the, the whole, when Paul Nealon's whole thing. David the, Brooks. <laughs> uh, wasn't him. Uh, when, when, when the whole thing with, with where Paul Nealon was, was naming everybody in media and calling them a Jew. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Know, half of them were Jews. Yeah, who, who did he call it? Like the first one that he called that like wasn't was like the waspiest person in the world. He called him. There was he called, he, he, There was a Muslim he called. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, was, yeah, he was yeah, all over yeah, the place, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but well, in, fair, I, when, in fairness, he hates both of them. Yeah. <laughs> when that whole thing blew up, there was some conservative who uh, wrote, "Hey, I told you all about this guy four years ago because yeah. he was he was yeah. a big problem." And and he showed a picture of his book, and there was some quote that was an overtly anti-Semitic quote from Paul Nealon in 2012. Yeah, but you yeah. can't even remember who this person is, which oh, for st- stands I'm 91 just, minutes in. I understand. <laughs> I'm just saying. I just that got here. <laughs> the bottom line is that it is possible for someone to have. E- stood next to you on stage and not known that you had that awful thing. In I doubt if you, I, I doubt you know Corey the guy well enough to call him your hero but, and not know this. But here's, I, I tell you one of the, the great data points of this yeah. is that I heard someone in the Republican party who clearly was not a fan of his in the Virginia party. Who's that Corey Stewart? Defending him today. Uh-huh. Uh, on NPR, and it was t- talking about, you know, well, he's interested in history, and he has this sense of history. We're talking about the Confederate stuff, right? And he's defended, and the, you know, the Robert Lee, uh, Robert E. Lee monument. Is, it, well, yeah, like yeah. you can take that. You know, it's in, and it was framed in the NPR way of like, well, that was the monument that the psychopathic, racist Nazis, right. all of which are you know perfectly accurate descriptors of the people in Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. The thing about it that I found amazing about it, the guys from Minnesota. Yes. That's not, I mean, I understand in some ways that if you grew up imbued with this sense of Southern pride and blah, 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 it was in your sort of mother's milk. Guys from Minnesota. Yeah. Like what type of person is like, Paul Paul Nealon's amazing. I'm moving to Virginia. 
And by the way, let's defend all these Confederate mon monuments. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you want to say that you can defend the Confederate monuments on their merits, uh, I mean, I would probably disagree with you because, I mean, on the, the top level is like you lost. You don't get monuments. But, you know, there's <laughs> sorry, you don't. Um, but be, if you want to do that, and I've heard people do this, uh -huh. you do have to be kind of curious about why somebody from you know, the border of Canada wants to defend these we things. Need a, one, one, yeah, can, word, one can speculate I, about this. I, I will say it's this. It's just speculation. I will say this about to carpetbagger. What is the yeah, analog for carpetbagger? The northerner is who goes there, to the south to defend. It's not just the carpetbagger? No, it's the other direction. It's the other direction. That's the yeah, point. Yeah, that's right. To defend, yeah. like, heritage monuments. Who's that uh, yeah. person? What do we call Let it? me think about that but, for a second. I, I, would, I, I know I'll come up with something really offensive. I do want to cite, like, the polling numbers on this around the time that he was making these comments after Charlottesville. Like, the Washington Post did a poll, and it, it is the case that, like, 33% of black Southerners didn't want the memorial removed. I suspect that all of those people can't be described as neo-Confederates. No, but, but, Corey, general, but Corey Stewart is a dickbag. Yes, he is objectively a dickbag, regardless awful, of all that stuff. stupid nincompoop. No, that's, that's he was the, tweeting about how people who don't want Confederate mo monuments are exactly the same as are ISIS. Are cuckservatives. He literally, yeah. No, he said they were ISIS. He may have also said they yeah. were cuckservatives, but they were the same as ISIS. Yeah. This is deplorable yeah. and stupid. And, that's, I, and, there it's is, the, and it's the modern Republican Party. There, and that's, there is, that is something worth and reflecting I, on. I think if to the extent you are using that kind of messaging in your twit in your tweets, that is worth condemning. There's something, however, about the outrage about the fact that plenty of Virginians do not regard Confederate monuments as um, uh, as uh, celebrations of slavery or celebrations of of um, the South and a hope and an aspiration that the South wins or decides to fight, refight the Civil War, that kind of nonsensical response to Southern perspectives on Confederate monuments is not dissimilar from the nonsensical response to NFL players kneeling. The sensibility that NFL players are kneeling because they hate America and Southerners like the Confederate flag and Confederate statues because they're monstrous racists is the same kind of simplistic reductionism that is completely inconsistent with available facts. The same polling that shows that Southerners like these things shows that Southerners do not equate them, generally speaking, the people who support this, with slavery. Some people do. There's a diversity of perspective. That diversity of perspective even exists amongst minorities. That's, it's worth I, I, that's fine. I, I see Corey the point. I think it's a perfectly reasonable uh, point, you know, and one that's sort of borne out by, by polling data. But, you know, at the same time, <laughs> one, yeah, at the same time, one, you know, it's no coincidence that it does attract a certain uh, group of people who have a very different no, perspective on it. Not a coincidence. Yeah, not a coincidence, a coincidence at all. And, you know, Stuart being a complete, as use Matt's political phrase, which is, you know, something you hear in a Frank Luntz focus group, <laughs> is a dick bag, is yeah. um, incredibly true, is, is very much true. But I think that the point that you made before Camille went on his um, very good rant, is that it's the state of the modern Republican Party is distressing for a number of reasons. Mm -hmm. It's primarily because these people feel so emboldened that you used to have people that were in, on the fringes and there were like sort of newsletter types before there was the internet, you know, they, they would get survival reports from certain people, <laughs> right? And they were getting printed out. Uh, Come on. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying. 
um, those types of people realized that they were and understood that they were people on the fringes and they tried to mm-hmm. move the Overton window and kind of, you know, sneak their messages in. And now that's completely shifted. And like Paul Nalen and these guys don't even feel bad about coming out and like nakedly supporting, you know, anti-Semites like Kevin McDonald, who's a professor, I think, at UC Long Beach, um, who's just- Long a, Beach State. Long, Long Beach State. He was graduated. A complete yet. racist, uh, f- fascist scumbag. And they just, it's like, you don't even hide this stuff anymore. I mean, like the, uh, the old days when David Horowitz was obsessed with like, you know, you know, every radical black group that had seven followers, you'd be like, this is a little curious, isn't it? <laughs> he found some group in like suburban, you know, Michigan that were like five percenters, but they were like, we're four percenters. We hate people even more. <laughs> but like, it's the thing is like the, the, the fact that all these candidates keep materializing and doing fairly well, you get Kelly Ward for Christ's sake. Who dis- distanced herself from Nail am I drunk? Uh, from uh, Nayland just today. Mm-hmm. Oh, today she did. Oh, good. Well, That's Kem- really great. Chemtrails no. Kelly. Whoa. Steve, Steve King tweeted out uh, Kem- or retweeted a, a, a neo-Nazi uh, account. And yeah. uh, there, there, it's, there's, there's a lot of stuff percolating now there. But I also, I did want to give the name because he deserves credit for this. Matthew Continetti mm-hmm. wa- of, of the Free Beacon, Free Beacon. was uh, talking about Paul Nayland years ago and and shining the light. So he deserves yeah. credit for that. Yeah. Because and he's got an Italian last name, Nayland. So don't kind of put a fucking <laughs> asterisk next to it. There are Italian <laughs> Jews. There are Italian Jews. Well, no, kind of. I, I know Continenti, who is is the son-in-law of Bill Crystal, right? Yeah, yeah. Do I have the right? Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I forgot that point. So uh, Corey, by the way, lovely man, Corey Stewart, He's a lovely guy. Yes. Corey Stewart um, uh, tweeted out like on the eve of the election um, this insane uh, little rant that I wrote about uh, uh, briefly, uh, or at least uh, screenshotted on uh, at Reason, um, accusing his opponent Nick Friedis, who he, he, he beat, of being uh, endorsed by Bill Crystal. And yeah. reason, mm. Mm. the neocon libertarian alliance, alliance, yeah, because Zionist alliance. Reason does a lot of endorsing. Yeah, after yeah. all, of yeah. course, yeah. never. Does anyone refer to reason as Zionist? No, I'm being ridiculous, <laughs> of course. But, but but that's you know, I mean, they certainly. I think when I worked there, people called me a Zionist. Yeah, <laughs> I was. Well, I went to Israel. I wrote, I wrote some on. like lukewarm thing, and it didn't. It wasn't, it didn't, it wasn't a Lou Rockwell style thing. Yeah. And I was like, you know, the problem with these Jews is when they drink the Gentile <laughs> baby's blood. And I didn't say that. Yeah. And they were like, ah, oh, what, a, what a Zionist he is. Like, <laughs> I really don't care about this issue very much. So thanks. I would have written about it if I gave a shit about it. I guess I did write about it a long time ago, but not. not but much. the other yeah. part besides the elections yesterday that yeah. was, that was, Ranting. Uh, that was uh, okay. useful is. Drinking. Uh, Bob, drinking, <laughs> which fine. Uh, we're not going to stop doing uh, anytime soon. Although that bottle seems to be empty. It's totally stressing. I didn't, no, I, I, I bought that. I didn't. I bought that. I thought you the one who does the slur. I slur. You I don't. Slur. I've been drinking a lot tonight. Wow. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> I get to this thing at 6.30. What was the thing? Like It what? was a party for, for somebody. For Patrick Stewart? No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your service. No. He, to America. Yeah, no. He's English. <laughs> Whatever. Um, no, it was a, just a party. Thank you for your service on my enterprise. It was fun. <laughs> no, it was, uh, uh, what's his face's, uh, I talked to him for a while about how he was in Star Wars. <laughs> you like, what the fuck? <laughs> 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 yeah, was, uh, Alan McGinnis is not dead. Star Wars. I love, I love when you were the, <laughs> it's the other Ewok. Thing. That was yeah. great. When you were that <laughs> it's the other thing. Harry guy. Also, also <laughs> Professor X. <laughs> uh, I forget yeah. the guy's name, so I'm going to drop this. That's fine. Yeah. Um, we should probably get out of here. We've been at this for a long time. You want to stay longer? Crazy, Great. crazy long. No, well, but no, let's, let's just I, finish the point. Cause I, have, I have a half a glass of wine. I okay. have. So here's the I thing. Humiliate myself more. Here's the thing. Okay. 
I don't want to be the get off my lawn guy. Uh oh. Generally speaking. Yeah. He's like, oh, here you go. Here he goes. Uh huh. What's up, Clint but Eastwood? Did you guys see that goddamn baseball thing? Uh, oh, yeah. here he goes. I know. I, I, yeah. Am I the crazy explain person? Explain the video. Okay. All right. Yeah. So it blew up on Twitter over the last 48 hours, which again, you'll hear uh, some 185 hours after the, the whatever. Um, <laughs> So it was a high school baseball championship game yes. mm. um, in uh, Minnesota, which, okay, already tells you something there. Um, but uh, where a kid. <laughs> Anti-Semitic pitcher. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a kid strikes out. Stonewall Jackson pitcher. <laughs> another kid to win the championship looking, strikes out looking. Which yeah, is, uh, exactly. Kind of a. Unacceptable. What uh, was yeah. the count? In a high school game? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't remember the count. Yeah, um, no. um, but so, so to win the championship. Yeah. And so his teammates, the, the catcher, runs out yeah. to go and uh, hug him and embrace him on the mound pileup that we normally associate with winning baseball uh, games of, of importance and the the pitcher's like no 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 and like uh, sort of separating him with his hands and he went to the batter who's his best friend it turns out a long time mm-hmm. best friend batter is on the opposing team yes yeah. thank you um batter he was just team, who him. just carlos beltrand in, in a <laughs> yeah. moment uh and he hugs him and consoles him for like 20 seconds yeah. mm-hmm. um and you have a problem with this because you think they're homosexual. And here, and and so everyone on Twitter, uh-huh. I mean, every single time I saw this thing retweeted, yeah. it was like, I hope to raise my boys to be as good as this kid. Yeah. yeah. Hugging his friend. To hug the loser. To hug the loser. Yeah. And Matt doesn't have this problem because he has two girls. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen. Yeah, there's yeah. not a lot of boys. Yeah, among the what do we have? Like eight girls between eight, us. Yeah, there's no testosterone. Seven, I don't seven girls. I don't actually acknowledge the rest of those Four, children. You have three. Yeah. We have seven girls between us. Seven no boys. Yeah. There are no boys yeah. anymore. And it's anymore. not testosterone yeah. that makes the uh, whatever. Why chromosome? We don't need to defend yeah. ourselves. Sure. I love my daughter. Uh, uh, before you, I, w- I want I want you to go back into this. Okay, so just, Matt I, hates his daughter. I just want to make sure that everybody knows that I don't believe in gender, <laughs> social construct, yep. and like that could be my daughter out there pitching who loves fashion. All right, my daughter. All right, so who's really into fashion. your daughter who actually is kind of an athlete and uh, and, and and is filled with your rage. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, I just put, I put it this way: my daughter is an amazing human being. Yeah. She's like amazing in every possible. And way. would not be hugging the goddamn opposing nope. teams. No, <laughs> no. So, no. So um, my if, problem if is, if there was an ING, she'd be mocking every single person who retweeted this thing. Yeah. Was like, my God, what a beautiful act of sportsmanship! Wow. Isn't that great? Wow. And I felt like you at, disagree. At some point, I felt like I'm like a crazy pills over here. Yeah, like you're playing a championship game. You should celebrate with your teammates for a half a goddamn second. But he did after. No, after you he- do right then. Yeah, you do right the hell then. It's a moment of of high drama. Your teams, you're, you're going. Don't to- you love it when Matt's like Hitler in the bunker, <laughs> pounding on the desk? Nine, 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 nine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nine innings. No, I can't believe the Russians are coming all over the place. We can't. We have to leave. I did yeah, watch I, I, Downfall again the other day. Yeah. It's a really great. I've never. Uh, it is a good movie. It. Have you like, never seen? No, it? No, actually, it actually is. It's not just. It's not just useful for memes. Yeah. it's really good. Straight. Uh, yeah. I, I, you, you shared that. That that clip, and yeah. I wasn't as outraged as you. But, but now I, you I, I did. No, I I, I he didn't do whatever he wants. Quite frankly, this is his championship. Okay. It's, it's, okay. His, it's his okay. moment. Yeah, but we can. Uh, but yeah, yeah. But I, but I, you know, yeah. I, I, I my, personally, yeah. you know, if, if, you know, I would, I would have had the moment with my. Uh, I, I mean, if maybe if I felt like a gesture, I would go and be like, you know, 
Well, just but like weird. five minutes yeah. after. Yeah, that was very long. Yeah, it was a very long moment. But and, like, yeah, very showy. Yeah, and it's a bit showy. I'm, I'm trying to imagine Moynihan on the on the on the mean fields of like you know. God damn it. Rich, <laughs> rich people, rich people, Boston that he Dude, grew up Dude, I was on. poor. I, I, grew, I know you were the poor, poor, the rich, yeah, rich, I grew rich up a very poor kid. Neighborhood. I mean, um, not I'm like imagine Dickensian, but, you know, it wasn't compared to hand, yeah. like hugging the guy that he just like literally broke his Adam's apple in a, in a yeah. breaking up a double play yeah. at home. It's, it's, it's hard. But the imagine. thing about that is um, what my father probably would say. And I'll tell you what, I was at this party tonight and I met somebody who um, you all know, and I think listeners, who knew, who, who um, coached baseball with my dad. Uh, yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Who? Uh, I'll tell you later. What? But yeah, uh, uh, you can figure it out. Um, Massachusetts, come on. So, it, 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 and I talked to him about it, and, and it was a really funny uh, thing, and, like, and he like, said something to my dad, because my dad was like a tough, tough guy. And, like he smoked Lucky Strike, filter his cigarettes until he breathed his last breath, but unfortunately did not have smoke in it. <laughs> that was his big disappointment. It didn't have a big huff of Lucky Strike in it. And yeah, and if there was any moment <laughs> where I went out and hugged the guy that I struck out, he'd be like, uh, I'm sorry, but what the, I don't know what, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I'll drive you home, but I don't want to because I just saw what I thought was like a erasure video. I don't know. He wouldn't, he wouldn't say erasure that. Erasure reference. Yeah. He wouldn't, my dad didn't, didn't know chains of love. He might have said, yeah, he would be like, what are you, uh, you know, behind the candelabra? <laughs> what the fuck was that? So, so, you know, there was. Yeah, that was just a weird, like, I grew up, I guess, in a different era. I'm not that old. Wait, is Father's Day this weekend? Yeah, it is. Sunday. Is that what are, we're are doing? We, is this the Father's Day? It's the Father's Day edition. It's the Father's Day. I hope so, yeah. Yeah. Um, some what? of us are. We're going to see baseball on Sunday? Let's see baseball. Staten Island Yankees. I don't know anything about Staten Island Yankees? Come on out, man. I'm not pizza messing rats. with pizza, They're, they're no the pizza rats. rats this year. Pizza Gate? Pizza Rats. It's called Barry. My party shot here, which is also on this point, is there was another viral baseball video that uh, went around this week. Oh, God, uh, so good. So, uh, in the quick context for even the, the baseball, uh, you know, agnostics, uh, yeah. uh, Chase Utley was a, a Los Angeles Dodger who broke the leg of a New York Mets infielder. And then the following season, the first time the two That's teams, a move. Yeah. the first time the two teams played, Noah Syndergaard, star pitcher for the Mets, Throws threw, behind him. Threw behind him. Which, <laughs> really fast. Yeah, and when, really you, fast. when you throw behind someone, that's almost worse than throwing at them because yeah. there's no way to get away. You, your instinct is to go back. Yeah. So you're going to probably go into this pitch. Now, it didn't hit Utley, but the umpire immediate, the home plate umpire immediately threw Syndergaard out. Fair enough. And the, crew, uh, the first base uh, ump, who I believe was the crew chief, uh, ran up to Syndergaard. Now, here's the, here's the twist. They were miked. Or at least the, the umpire was mic'd, yeah. and he was mic'd uh, it's to the yeah. point that everyone around him could be picked up on his mic because everyone's screaming at the top of their lungs. And it's a absolutely wonderful window into the Masterclass. super macho and foul and profane and vicious world of Major League Baseball where everybody is cursing, including the umpire. Uh, so, you know, Syndergaard feigns ignorance. Oh, I was just trying to throw, throw a fastball. And the ump's <laughs> like, listen, I get it. I know you got to say that, but you're gone. It looks bad. It looks bad. My ass is in the jackpot here. My ass, My ass, ass is, is in the, the jackpot. jackpot. Said, yeah. Which basically means Major League Baseball, if everyone knows you're going to throw at Chase Utley, everyone knows he deserves it, <laughs> but we still got to throw you out for this anyway. My ass is in the <laughs> jackpot. So then Terry Collins. I don't think that's a real phrase. <laughs> 
comes from. There was a, a is great, it a real phrase? Someone uh, hunted. Or is that down. like boom goes to dynamite? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> kind of like it sounds like something I should say. Someone hunted but. it down on Twitter. There's apparently some like horrible like 2000 uh, movie. Like a, a, a B minus mob movie in which the wow. came up. Yeah. All right, so so really, I, mean, I think it's I think it's a I think that's a coincidence. So so just to wrap it up, the Terry Terry Collins, the Mets manager, comes out and is out of his goddamn mind because the the Syndergaard has to deny it because he'll get suspended. and blinded. Yeah. He, he, but so T- Terry Collins apparently doesn't have to deny it. He's just saying to the umpire, MLB did nothing to this guy. You got to give us a shot. You got to give us a shot. And the umpire is like, I gave you a shot. That was your shot. He's just throwing out now. And and it's just but, but amazing. Can, can, here's the question: Who released this with the audio. That, that's we the don't we don't know. And that's the guy, like and, and the guy, uh, the Bill guy. O'Reilly. Uh, we'll do it right. live. Uh, or the, Lawrence the, O'Donnell, like shouting. The guy who posted it to Twitter had, I think, less than two thousand followers, and he claims he just found this thing on YouTube. So it's. Mm. But the thing is, what, what makes it Mysterious. valuable and what ties it to the uh, the high school pitcher is that. This is, to me, an appropriate uh, uh, emotion to have in the baseball moment. I'm not sure that the uh, that the the drawn out hug after a championship strikeout. It, is, it, it is. What was the the HBO series with uh, um, the guy, the rich guy in New York who killed some people? Uh, uh, the Jinx. Jinx. The Jinx. Yeah. Uh, the Jinx. The Jinx. Uh, it, it, Robert Durst. Teach, Robert Durst teaches yeah. us a lesson um, that no one can possibly learn. And I don't know why no one, I don't even remember it sometimes, is that <laughs> you get the best stuff. I was doing an interview <laughs> like a month ago, let's say two months ago, and we were fucking around with stuff. We were trying to make it look good and the rest of it. And the guy that we were interviewing was like, I'm going to go talk to somebody else. And my sound guy is like dictating what he's saying to me uh, 300, 400 feet away. And he's like, these motherfuckers are just like being too meticulous. What the fuck is wrong? It's like, and Robert Durst comes in and is like, you know, I killed them all. <laughs> it's like, always remember, guys, you have a mic on. And people have this little lav mic inside there and they forget it. And these, I mean, you should, even at that point as a baseball player, realize that somebody's mic'd here and I'm going to look like an asshole. It's amazing to me. No one ever remembers this. And you often get very, very good stuff. I tell people interviewing them, never tell someone that you're done and you're wrapped. Just ask a final question and keep talking to them while they're yep. sitting in the chair. And then they're like, oh, okay. And they keep talking. This camera's trained <laughs> on. The red lights are still on. The mics are still on. You don't want to sandbag somebody, but they keep talking. And sometimes you have to use that stuff because like, I don't, I, I, I can't, get my head around the fact that these people are in a mid, like they're, they're in the middle of a fucking baseball stadium and they're just saying whatever the hell they want. It's great. Although they were, uh, uh, Terry Collins was, um, was followed up, uh, with, with an interview today and he was pretty, you know, he's pretty happy with it. I think everyone, the great thing about that video is that everyone comported themselves perfectly. Um, well, I mean, Syndergaard is obviously just like a mute caveman <laughs> out there. Uh, but like Neil, Neil Walker. Yeah, yeah. Know, he's like, like, where's the warning? We, we didn't get a warning. He was, everyone comported themselves well. And they and like that's, as our friend Scott Ross pointed out, if if they just mic'd all of the manager ejections, there would be no football market in America. Everyone would just watch baseball all the time because yeah. that uh, language, that lingo is great. And to put it back to the damn kids, my God, it's competition. You're out there fighting while you're fighting. And after a proper amount of time, five minutes, maybe you exhale and you can talk to the other people. 
I mean, I remember, uh, <laughs> right? I mean, like, it, no, I agree. It is a yeah. high stress situation. I remember um, uh, uh, very specifically being in Little League. I always played in a terrible team, uh, and my best friend played on an equally terrible team. So the games couldn't possibly matter. And he bowled me over with an elbow <laughs> to the ribs, knocking like the ball out of my hands. And I wasn't even the catcher. I was the first baseman. So in a totally meaningless game, he wanted to get that single. Sure. Damn it. Yeah. And I was totally pissed off at the moment. And it was emotional and whatever. But like, I was like, yeah, you know, he got the base. That's the, that's the point of. Yeah. You're in a competition. The point of all of this is to actually compete in the moment and learn how to do it. You know, if you read Alan Bloom's book in the 80s, you'd, you'd come out not thinking that all things are relative, right? But, you know, in these situations, things are. And the sense that, like, when you were in Little League and when I was, it was the biggest deal in the world, right? And I would never congratulate somebody um, or, you know, console them. If they if if I lost, I wouldn't congratulate them. If I won, I wouldn't console them. That's just my thing. And I, it seems to me, and not to sound like some sort of boring old reactionary, yeah. but everyone mm, kind of, but everyone's become my mother. And the reason, <laughs> and, and and mom, if you're listening, she listens to the podcast. I love you. You're great. But I remember watching uh, baseball and watching like hockey, and like they'd be like a walk off like home run or there'd be like an overtime and like somebody would like score on, you know, Grant Fuhrer or something and he'd get up and flip his mask off. My mother would always be like, I just feel so bad for him. What is it like for that moment? He feel, must feel so bad. And I'm like, you know, we won. Can we <laughs> the Red Sox won. And like, you know, you're bummed out. Like, you know, it's it's crazy that that like, you know, no one is thinking. When, so your mom's like, you know, Donnie Moore committed suicide. Like, who cares? Yeah, who cares? <laughs> Donnie Moore was also beat his wife. He was like a by the way, there it is. A totally false connection. It was a little after that Angels game. Actually, kind of a little after any not just after. beat his wife, but like she got a I think, wounds. I think he killed her, right? No, she survived. Oh, he shot her, right? Do you know who? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this is a good I think it was just like, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was Dave Henderson, right? Who hit that home Dave, run? Yes. Henderson it wasn't Hender. It was fucking Donnie Moore being a scumbag. Uh, do you know this who is really was? Camille loves all this baseball stuff. I don't know what y'all yeah, talking yeah. about. This He's is, like, this is a good thing to close off on. Kind of Do you know who was the admitting nurse who admitted Donnie Moore? To the hospital after he was already Your mother. dead. It's my mother. It was. Mother author, nurse to Donnie Moore, <laughs> mother to Matt Welch <laughs> on the tombstone. That, three that things. would be a lot Mary more Towns. dramatic yeah. to me if I actually knew who these people were. It's okay. You checked out a little bit. By the way, I'll 20, just say one final thing. I'm going to lend you the book, One Pitch Away. Uh, I, Great I, book. Think I, I don't yeah. think I'll read it. Yeah. I will say one th final thing. I was with my father, uh, rest his soul, fantastic man, uh, on the tarmac of T.F. Green Airport in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, with whatever the visiting team, uh, my dad used to work for the visiting teams of the Patriots. He used to go meet them at the airport, pick, pick up their gear in his big truck, drive it to Foxborough, and we would unpack the gear for the, for the visiting team. We'd, we'd assemble the whole thing in all their lockers. This is the stuff. Steve Grogan era. Yeah, Grogan era, yeah, yeah. yeah. John Hanna, et cetera. Like, I have great pictures of, of me at old Foxborough State. Old Foxborough State. Cozy it was State. like, I think it was like yeah. Schaefer State at wow. the time. And I remember being on the tarmac at 86 and my dad getting out. We were like by the plane, just unloading bags. I was too young to actually unload them at the time. And he was like sitting, he was like, my daughter right now doesn't go anywhere without me. I just remember this. My dad's like, sit here. 
just relax. And he's like smoking <laughs> with all with this guy named Billy Flynn, a bunch of fucking Irish scumbags. And they're all like smoking and probably drinking at the time. And he's like, tell me if anything happens in the game. And I remember at that, um, that, that Donnie Moore hit, uh, oh, Dave Henderson hit that home run. And I remember going out like, tr- like frantically, probably almost like causing an, an accident of running out in the tarmac to tell my father. And I don't know what it was. It's probably some, maybe it was the Patriots like training. Because what, what, what month would that have been? October. October. October yeah. So yeah. W- was the season started then? The NFL October season? Yeah, yes. Football starts in September. September. So yeah, would have yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I think it was the Jets. But yeah, I remember, that's a very distinct memory of that happening on the radio in like, you know, the back, back, back thing on the radio. That was the running Mark, Mark Gastineau era Jets. Uh, yes, I have a picture of me and Mark Gastineau. Too. Altoon. Yeah. Anyway. Clothes on or? Uh, <laughs> mullet flowing like a waterfall. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable, that guy. Did he have a nickname that should be like Gaza or something? <laughs> we should get that. We should the, get the, the hell New York out Sack of Exchange. Oh, was that? Oh, that was oh yeah, my God. God. Yeah. What? Yeah. There's a club in the Lower East Side called the New York Sack Exchange. Let's go there. Dear Lord. <laughs> Anthony and I went there last night. I won't tell you about it later. True yeah. story. Right. We left to dinner and we ended up at a fucking crazy bar. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. We should get out of here. Right. I, Love you I do, guys. I do feel like I should leave you all with some, wor- some words of wisdom for my own, my dad. Um, yeah, it's actually my stepfather, my biological father. We don't really talk. He's still mm, yeah. very much alive. I just haven't talked to him in a very long time. He's in Jamaica someplace. This it's is a very s- typical <laughs> Jamaican father. Yeah. So this <laughs> this Father's Day, think about your Jamaican father who you haven't spoken to in years because he has many children by many different women. Can you but say that by the my, way? Like, can you use that as a phrase? What's that? That guy's so Jamaican. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's if anything they don't, wrong with that. If they like move yeah. to Jamaica and yeah, don't totally hang out, uh, yeah, it's it's not exotic. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but my dad would always say to me, "There's two things he would always say. He'd say, Camille, your attitude defines your altitude.' Say, Ooh. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then he would say, "Don't take no wooden nickels." Yeah, of course. And I don't really understand mm. because I would never do that. Yeah. But I was grateful for the advice even if I've never known how to put it into practice. If you so. were, if you were like, man, these motherfuckers are made of wood. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say, excuse me, um, them nickels is wood. And that's disgusting. This is, this is not are you real. Yeah, I can't, again? This is I can't actually. He said nickels. Exchange, exchange <laughs> that for no hubba bubba. I can't, I can't use these. Cause you know why? Cause they're made of wood. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? My 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 stepfather tell me, but <laughs> I tell you what, I know I never, they made a wood and that's never, I can't never, do it. Never referred to him as my stepfather. Ooh. Except oh. only 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 dad. dad. Only referred to him as stepfather in order to make the technical distinction because I provided the additional context that wow. I yeah. do in fact have a biological father. I just don't only talk to that nigga like that. Oh so, shit. Oh man. Um, yeah. That's yeah. that's oh Keep that's the next episode. You know what I'm saying? Special dispatch. All right, well, happy, happy Father's Day, everybody. From happy, Kings, yeah. Yeah. happy Father's Day. Yeah. Happy from all of us Day. to all of you. And we're gonna be doing a, spe- <laughs> a special uh, a dispatch from Tivoli in uh, Kingston uh, next Sunday. Hello uh, and I'm not <laughs> bye. Bye. We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse.